Ages texting me saying that Lee Sandwiches is on. What the heck? Who's that? Oh, Lee Sandwiches is a, is a sandwich shop in the Bay Area. Oh, I thought it was a person making him sandwiches. Oh. What is he doing there at 10 p.m.? They're closed. He probably had one in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, Fright fans. Welcome to the horror podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories that inspire our favorite horror movies. Join us for movie night as we find out for ourselves if what happened was true. Sometimes when you get haunted, it's like stepping on gum. I remember, uh, this is kind of a tangent, but I, I remember trying to watch a movie like this with Amber, and she was kind of scared. And I was, like, saying to Amber earlier, you're a horror movie fan now. Yeah, I guess it never really occurred to me. Horror movies are be cool. a horror movie fan? I, I guess you could say that. <laughs> because when we were watching this movie, not only are you able to spot the references, it doesn't scare you at all anymore. And the average person was probably really scared watching this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of have fun picking apart horror movies because I was a little scared of them like quite a few years ago. But now I'm like, yeah, it's just a basic formula. It's that rule of threes. Everything has the setup and punchline. This movie's nothing but rule of threes. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. They'll feel offended if you knock three times. Wow. Knock three times on the ceiling if you want me. Anyway. Sorry, I'm compelled to look up the lyrics of that song now. Oh, knock okay. three times? <laughs> yeah, wait. No. Every time I hear that song, for the longest time, I always think of you, Mel, and your angry face. It's forever <laughs> imprinted in my mind. Yes. What happened? What are, I was angry at that song? Uh. Yeah, you were extremely pissed. It was at my bachelorette party. What did, ha- what did it, I do? It was in an <laughs> Uber car with that guy, that fat guy that kept talking over and over about his family. And then he played the song. He's like, oh my gosh, I love this song. And it like rolled down all the windows and turned up the song hella loud. Wow. And I just looked at you and you're like, don't. Don't talk to me. <laughs> you was... were like so mad. Oh, well, to be fair, we were all pretty hungover. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> That's why I was smiling, I guess. I don't remember. Did you come to my bachelor party, Antonio? No, because at the time I was dating with this girl and she invited me to a uh, football event. So I couldn't. That was it. a wedding. Oh, the wedding. No, the, no, you didn't invite me to your bachelor's. I'm pretty sure I invited everyone. And only a few what did you guys came. do? We got dr- drunk and played video games, and then we had a AJ lightsaber would... battle. Yeah, AJ and I dropped there, you off at McDonald's. Yeah, Amber took us to <laughs> McDonald's. We got hella food, and then we got it... drunk. Wait, we got... you were drunk, and then you went to McDonald's. Okay, my logic <laughs> was I didn't want to waste money on on drinks at the bar, mm-hmm. right? Because a fucking small drink at the bar is like ten dollars. Oh, totally. But I, but that's also the price of two bottles of that same drink. Yeah. So I got hella drunk before we left the house. Smart. And then Amber <laughs> dropped us up downtown where we walked around Old Sack. That sounds like a good time. And then <laughs> we took an Uber back to the house where we kept drinking and playing video games. And then at yeah, night I'm- we had a lightsaber battle. That was all I did for my bachelor party. It was awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> we bought a crab. That's what we did. That was what my bachelor party. That was the purpose. We went downtown <laughs> to buy a crab. Nice. Because I wanted a crab. I mean, crab sounds great. I'm, I'm assuming Asia was not allowed to eat crab. He bought it for me. He, he ate shrimp. Anyway, okay. So, welcome to What Happened Was True. Today's a little different since we're testing out Zoom. We're also having someone else present the true story today. Two other people. Now we're else. splitting it. Yes. You guys are splitting the story duties today. Duty. Duty. Oh, yeah. We should introduce ourselves, shouldn't we? Oh, sorry. I'm your host, Lex. Amber. Antonio. And Mo. Hooray. Yay. What story have you guys got for me today? We're doing the Annabelle and Conjuring. Yes. The reason we're doing Annabelle and Conjuring together is because the true story of Annabelle is in The Conjuring. Yes. Yes. And since it's the first time you guys are presenting a story, I figure it'd be a bit easier if you guys split the duties and do short story each. Yeah, yeah that's that seems fair yeah. until we tackle one on our own. Okay, who's going first? Um, I'm guessing I'm going first since Annabelle starts off the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. All right. So while researching this, um, a lot of the statements that I found weren't uh, similar some instances might say that this person had this person or this event happened. So I tried to find the common ground in all the stories and incidents. So there's a lot of inconsistencies in the true story. Yes, you said it much nicer than I did. Yeah. It's still an interesting story and a cool story. And I just love the whole uh, killer doll, killer toy trope. That's just that's such a cool concept idea. Ready when you are, Antonio. Lay it on us, the true story of Annabelle. Let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this is the story of Annabelle the doll. 1970. Donna and Angie are two college roommates studying to become nurses. Nothing strange and unusual about them, just students. That would change, though, when Donna received a gift. Donna's mother was out shopping like she had done before, but something stood out that day. A raggedy Ann doll, she thought to herself. Regardless of her daughter's age, she bought it and gave it to Donna on her birthday. Donna loved her gift so much so that she began leaving it on her bed as decoration. One day, coming back from work, Donna noticed something strange. Did it move? She said, as the doll had shifted positions. She asked her roommate if she moved it. No, I didn't move it, and she replied. Donna brushed it aside as nothing to linger on. The girls would begin to discover the doll in different rooms. Every time they left and returned, they would see the doll in different spots, sometimes sitting on the couch, sometimes leaning on the side of a chair, or more startling, sometimes standing on its own. Not wanting to deal with the situation, they decided to leave the doll in the living room as a way to track it. This might have worked if it wasn't for the doll's increasing activity. Help me. Donna found a message written on a piece of parchment paper one morning. Help me. Help us. Help Blue. Message after message. The girls will find more pieces of parchment papers, all written in a child's handwriting. The most disturbing part in all of this is that neither of the two girls kept any parchment paper in their home. The doll had raised attention further. Arriving home one day, Donna noticed the doll moved again, but this time to her bed. Okay, she thought one uneasiness under her breath as she went in to pick it up. This time though, it was different. The doll had blood on it. With some on its back, but more behind its arms, it finally hit Donna. She needed help. Donna and Angie brought in a medium to help them make sense of the doll. 
the medium told the tragic account of Annabelle Higgins, a little girl who died at a young age while playing. Being alone for so long and only wanting friends, Annabelle used a doll to play with him. Donna and Angie felt at ease now and had sympathy for Annabelle. Donna even allowed Annabelle to stay with him, knowing there was no malice or ill intent from her. This is what Annabelle wanted. With things normal again, Donna and Angie resumed their lives as usual. Angie began by inviting her fiancé Lou over for some levity. Remembering the messages left by Annabelle, Donna questioned the invite. It's okay. Annabelle was just playing. Agreeing with her friend, Donna let her hesitation go. While at the girl's home, Lou had a strange feeling about Annabelle. That doll is freaky. I don't like it, said Lou. Ignoring him, the girls went to bed. Lou would eventually turn in as well. Lou woke up in the middle of the night. But something was not right. From a wiggle of his toes to the torch of his nose, no part of his body was able to move, except his eyes. He saw something near his waist. What is that? What is that doing here? Saying loudly in his head, Annabelle began to move closer to him. Inch after inch, the doll was now at his face. Well, it felt like hours, but only seconds. Annabelle sat there, just staring. Lou, now trapped and frozen, his heart escalating in beats, began to think how to call for help. But before he could open his lips, Annabelle jumped. With its tiny hands, Annabelle was strangling Lou. Its grip tightening around his neck, Lou began to lose his breath and his vision began to fade. Blackness followed. Waking up for what seemed like an intense nightmare, Lou rose from his bed. Was it real? It felt real, Lou said to himself. Looking around the room, the doll wasn't around. These dreams would continue when Lou would sleep over. But they were just dreams after all. Intense dreams, but just dreams. Angie and Lou decided that they needed a trip. Something to do other than stay inside all day. While both were preparing their things, they heard the sounds coming from Donna's room. This would have been nothing, except Donna wasn't home. Fearing it might be a burglar, Lou approached Donna's door. Opening the door and ready to fight whoever was inside, he went in. Nothing. There was no one in the room, except for one thing. Annabelle. Approaching the doll, Lou felt someone behind him. He quickly turned around, but nothing again. The next moment, though, that's when everything changed. A burning feeling struck his chest. Falling to the ground, claw marks appeared on his shirt. Whatever it was, it was attacking him, but now in broad daylight. Tending to lose injuries, Angie noticed gashes of claw marks on his chest. The marks would last only days before they disappeared, healing faster than any injury Angie had seen. Now at the end of the ropes and fearing for their lives, the three would seek help. Donna would end up getting contact with the church, who in turn recommended experts in these sorts of experiences. Ed and Lorraine, the Warrens. Taking a special interest in the case, the Warrens interviewed the three of their experiences with Annabelle. By the end of it, the Warrens determined that no little girl possessed the doll. No. No. Instead, it was something not from our plane of existence. It was a demon, and it wanted to control one of the roommates. The Warrens called in an exorcist in hopes of ridding the doll of the demon, but to no avail. After the local priest blessed the house of any remnants left by the demon, it was decided that the Warrens would take the doll. Ending the horror that Donna, Angie, and Lou experienced. For Annabelle, though, it wasn't over. While driving home, Ed and Lorraine began to experience strange occurrences. The car would stall, would create noises, and on more than one occasion, the brakes fell. Arriving home safely, the Warrens placed Annabelle in a glass case in the museum, along with other cursed objects and artifacts that they had gathered from their previous cases. This wasn't enough as Annabelle began to repeat the same activity it had before. The Warrens had a special case built for it. Having been blessed by a priest every few months, Annabelle was home. Annabelle never moved again. Despite this, visitors to the museum state that they experienced strange occurrences when leaving. 
similar to what the Warrens had experienced before. One man would even lose his life after making a visit to the museum. Because of this, the Warrens suggest that visitors show respect to Annabelle and never anger her, or else they may experience a similar tragedy. Done. Fuck Annabelle. Bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sorry. I was was expecting you to be like, the end. Sorry, okay. um, Do we need to say the end after? No, it's fine. Okay, okay. The end. (laughs) I kind (laughs) of like the sound of yours. It sounds like a storybook. I, I um I thank you. That's what I was trying to go for. And those re- videos you sent me uh, really helped. So she's being kept in a museum? What museum? Okay. Um, so I've been doing more research because the whole Annabelle doll was school and I like it. Last year, allegedly, allegedly she uh, escaped. Really? Allegedly. 2020. But. <laughs> no but, shit. 2020. Yeah, yeah it was around August. Of last year, and allegedly Annabelle uh, escaped, and people on Twitter were like freaking out that, oh my god, <laughs> Annabelle escaped and everything. Is Annabelle going to get us? You know all that stuff. But the current owner of the museum, um, Ed Lorraine's son-in-law, Tony Tony Spira, um, posted a video on his Facebook saying that no, Annabelle's still there. She hasn't escaped. It was a hoax. No, it was mistranslation because at the time, one of the actresses who was on Annabelle um comes no, Annabelle creation she was filming a movie and her name and her name is the little girl the lead girl who turns out to be Annabelle by the end when she gets possessed yeah uh-huh. and she was she was doing an interview in China and they mistranslate her name to Annabelle and that led to her running and one of the movies she was filming running mistranslated to escape so that just traveled <laughs> you know in the internet and people just assume you know like that game telephone, one said someone said something, and then it just turns out Annabelle escaped. Chinese whispers. That's the one. Yeah. That's a very racist old term for telephone game, by the way. Oh. Chinese whispers? Because Chinese people can't whisper. Wait, is that a thing? Uh, what the it, heck? It's an old racist term for telephone game. It sounds uh. racist. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna cut no. that. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. State, you're stating a fact, but it is. It does no, sound racist. I never heard of that. Um, <laughs> no. Well, I posted the uh, a Snoop um, article oh, talking wow. about um, Annabelle Escape. And there's also a video of Tony posting on fa- um, Facebook showing that Annabelle's still in her um, glass case. Yeah. So Ed and Lorraine Warren have a museum? Oh, yeah. Their trophy room from the movies is now a museum. The f- Why would they make that a museum? Money? There's, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's creepy and all but honestly i kind of feel like they were copying robert the doll yeah he's very much a thing he's uh, yeah. very very much a thing terrifying thing both similar it's In connecticut well uh robert the doll's from florida i thought mm, isn't he is it um florida i thought he was in florida no oh, i florida uh, yeah, talk enough about florida it doesn't Aww. matter. I kind of feel like they were copying Robert the Doll because there hasn't really been that many incidents involving the Annabelle Ragdoll. Yeah. But there's a lot involving Robert. In fact, the Robert the Doll Museum supposedly is so haunted that you can't take a picture of him without his permission. No. Well, and if you I do take across that doll. And if you do take a picture with his permission, he's he wants like a um, a card saying sorry you took his picture. 
Because supposedly really? hundreds of cards come in from people who've taken his photo and have gotten cursed and like bad shit happens to them. Yep. There isn't any movie based on Robert the Doll, so there there yeah. is, but it's um I don't it's, think there should be. There is, is that not what the boy is about? There's this movie on Netflix oh, called The Boy. No, is that not based not, on Robert the Doll? Nothing. Oh, okay. So he just looks like it like a doll. Yeah, he's a boy but, doll. Oh. The doll and um, the boy has nothing to do with the movie. It's just they're oh, just for okay. tease. Actually, yeah, you're right. There is a Robert the Doll movie, but it's like a really odd B movie. It's just basically Chucky. Yeah, <laughs> Chucky. Eh. But it did well enough because it has like five sequels. So does Sharknado. Oh yeah, That's I guess true. sequels don't really. It's not a measurement for a good movie. Yeah, especially if you look into sequels like Home Alone Five. Oh no, Transformers. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, Saw. Saw. Yeah. Also directed by James Wan. Oh, yes. Yeah, the the first Saw movie is wonderful. He did Insidious too, right? Yes. Yeah, the first Insidious is great. Obviously, the first Conjuring is great. Oh, Elsa. I feel like he Wilson does. Too. I feel like he does really well the first time out, and then other studio, they ever others just go running wild trying to make franchises out of them. How many movies are there for Insidious? Holy shit! There's five. 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 Five? Yeah. There's only four. Um, didn't the uh, Crooked Man guy release? That's not an Insidious. It's a Conjuring movie. Is it? And it's not yes. out yet. Oh, yeah, that's gonna be good. Yeah, the Crooked Man came out of the Conjuring too. Yeah. Was it the Key Man? I'm thinking about. That's the fourth one. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. There's one, two, three. Yeah, just four. Yeah, we we still haven't finished those. We watched. I watched all three of the first ones. I haven't seen the fourth one yet. Amber's watched the third one and the first one. Wait, she she watched the first one and skipped the second one? Well, no, we watched the third one in theaters together because I'd seen the first two. Gotcha. And then I I bought the first one recently and we watched it. It still holds Ah. up. I still enjoy the movie. I honestly kind of like it a little bit more than The Conjuring. It actually does have legit scares in it. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't we be talking about the conjuring? <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So right. it's um it's Mel's turn. Oh, should yes. we uh yes, Mel's turn. Okay. Go ahead, Mel. All right. Tell the true story of the conjuring. All right. This yes. is not gonna be this is not gonna be like a like a like a story like Antonio's was. That was very compelling. That's I just, okay. I just told yeah. you guys to write it however you guys are comfortable. Cool. So this is the true story of The Conjuring, as true as it holds. But that's uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> right. In December of 1970, the Perrin family bought the old Arnold Estate, an 18th century farmhouse located in Harrisville, Rhode Island. I'm sorry, do you guys hear that? Hear what? What the fuck was that? Are you spooking yourself? I, I hear anything. No, I think my roommate's making a margarita and I can hear the blunt. Ugh. Okay. Mothman. Mothman. Okay, I think he's done. All right. I'm just going to go off from Rhode Island. Okay. First built in 1736, the 3,100 square foot home sat on 200 acres of land, a seemingly perfect place to raise a large family like the Perrins. The family consisted of Roger and Carolyn Perrin and their five daughters Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. The seller disclosed nothing negative about the home when the family purchased it, only telling them to leave the lights on at night as he came to drop off the keys. Things went well for the first few months after the move. However, soon after settling in, they noticed odd, inexplicable things happening in their new home. They started small. 
The broom would end up in a different place from where it was put away or even go missing altogether. Little piles of dirt would appear on the floor shortly after cleaning. Odd things that could be waved off by any rational explanation. Then the girls started seeing what they claimed to be spirits around the home. Some were harmless, like the father, son, and dog who would simply stand and stare at the walls as if looking out a window. Others were inconvenient, like the child ghost who would call for its mother at night, keeping the family awake long after bedtime. A few were even friendly, like the one the girls befriended and lovingly named Manny. But with a home so full of spirits, the parents were destined to encounter some that were not so willing to live harmoniously with the family. After a time of seemingly peaceful cohabiting with the spirits, things took a turn for the worse. Doors would loudly slam open, scaring the young girls at night. Objects would fly across the room and smash into walls. Glass would break. Their beds would shake every morning at 5.15, terrifying the family. And then there was the smell. A terrible odor permeated the home, one that stank of rotting flesh. Roger would often report a cold, stinking presence behind him during every trip to the basement, as well as the sensations of touching and stroking on his body. These trips were unfortunately frequent because the heating would mysteriously break down, forcing him to venture into the cellar, a place everyone in the house commonly avoided. Andrea recalled nights where her younger sisters would run to her bedroom, crying and terrified. One of the girls claimed a ghostly voice would repeatedly whisper, there are seven dead soldiers in the walls as she lay in her bed at night. But it was Carolyn that experienced the most frightening paranormal activity. She began to fall into long trances where she would lose periods of time. Each time would begin with her feeling faint, disoriented, sometimes even nauseated. She would rest her head in an attempt to gather herself, but would look up and see that hours had passed, despite it only feeling like a few minutes had gone by. Soon the spirits began inflicting bodily harm to Carolyn. One particularly terrifying incident occurred when Carolyn ventured to the old Arnold Estates barn. A hand scythe flew across the room just as a bout of paralysis had overtaken her. Unable to move or make a sound, all Carolyn could do was watch as the scythe hit her right in the chest. She luckily only experienced minor injuries, though she knew whatever spirit was responsible intended for much worse to happen. The parents began to read up on the old Arnold estate's history, hoping to find some kind of answer for their torment. It was then that the family learned of their new home's tragic and violent past. They discovered that several deaths had occurred near the property throughout the home's existence, including three suicides, two by hanging and one by poison, two drownings, the freezing deaths of four men, and the violent murder of an 11-year-old girl. There was also the existence of a woman named Bathsheba Sherman, a housewife and mother who lived at a neighboring farm near the old Arnold estate in the mid-1800s. Sherman had gained a dark reputation after an infant that she had been caring for mysteriously died on her property. Upon examination of the infant's body, it was determined that the cause of death was a mortal head wound from a large sewing needle being plunged into the child's skull. Rumors soon swirled around Sherman's small community that she had murdered the infant as a sacrifice to the devil. Despite the accusations, Sherman was cleared of any wrongdoing due to a lack of sufficient evidence. She died an old woman in 1885. Carolyn took special note of Bathsheba Sherman because of an incident that had occurred shortly before this discovery. One night, Carolyn had felt a sharp pain in her leg as she sat in the living room. After examining herself to find the cause of her pain, she saw a trickle of blood running down her leg from a very tiny wound, as if someone had pricked her with a needle. The parents consulted Ed and Lorraine Warren soon after. The Warrens were renowned paranormal investigators. Ed was a self-taught demonologist and Lorraine a professed clairvoyant. Together, the couple worked on several prominent haunting cases, including the Amityville haunting. After discussing the family's experiences, their home's history, and the injuries to Carolyn in particular, 
the Warrens determined that Bathsheba Sherman was the evil spirit tormenting the family. According to the parents' eldest daughter, Andrea, Bathsheba wanted to usurp the role of mistress of the home and hated Carolyn for standing in her way. Andrea also claims that Bathsheba's spirit coveted her father, Roger, hence the affectionate touching sensations whenever he'd ventured down into the cellar. The Warrens made several trips to the old Arnold estate over the 10 years that the parents resided there. During one visit, Lorraine held a seance in an attempt to contact the spirit's plague in the family. It went terribly wrong, as Carolyn became possessed and began speaking in tongues. Andrea, who claimed to have witnessed the event, even said she saw her mother, still sitting in her chair, levitate from the ground and thrown across the room. Roger threw the Warrens out of his home immediately after the seance, highly disturbed by the event and concerned for his wife's physical and mental state following the incident. However, it seemed the event provided a kind of release for whatever evil tormented the parents. Andrea claims the family did not experience any more major paranormal events following the seance. They lived a relatively normal and happy life for the remaining years they lived there until the family finally moved in 1980. In the years following the move, future owners and inhabitants have reported some supernatural activity within the walls of the old Arnold estate. People have claimed to hear the same banging of the doors at night and the sounds of footsteps and voices in other rooms but none so terrifying as what the Perrin family endured in the 1970s. The end. Yay. That's, Yay. That was, that was really good, Mel. Uh, thank you. It, it was really good. It sounded like a crying drama reenactment. I could tell you, oh, yeah. I listened to a lot of podcasts. A lot of true yeah, yeah. crime specifically. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, the sh- delivery. Anyway. On to a new chapter. Conjuring. Uh, the, the movie. Conjuring. Conjuring. The movie. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Well, okay. Let's start in with Annabelle's bit because that's terrifying, but also the first part. Of the movie. It's only she's only five minutes in the movie, which sucks. But it's terrifying and wonderful. Also, she she gets that we're already jumping. I'm already jumping far ahead. She gets that amazing part where she's like scaring the shit out of Judy. I didn't like <laughs> Let's that. Let's do our best to not jump ahead. Sorry. Let's okay. Keep no on jump. a straight yeah. track. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, for the listeners, let me explain. Of course, the premise of the show is we'll tell the true story. And then we'll talk about the movie. We'll do a brief summary, and then we'll give our reviews. Uh, unlike normal, since this is a briefer podcast, since we had two stories going at once this time, we're going to keep the summary slightly streamlined if possible. <laughs> I mean, it is a two-hour long movie. Yeah, that's true. Or almost two hours. But 56 that's, minutes. But, that's just f- the, uh, but most of it's just the family. Annabelle's only like five minutes. That's true. So, okay. The opening scene, we open on Annabelle. Sorry. Yeah. The movie starts with a shot of Annabelle and the three girls telling the story. Two girls. And a boy. Yes. Can I just mention real quick how silly Annabelle looks like? Why is her tongue sticking out? That's supposed to be her lipstick, I thought. It's lipstick. Wait, I thought she had lips and then like a little tongue in the middle sticking out. Or no, that's a red. My brain just... <laughs> <laughs> my brain wants to think of it as a little tongue sticking out. Like, why is there a little tongue oh. there? I-, I could see why you'd think it would be her tongue, but I f- I think it's her lip. But it totally looks like her tongue, though, Amber. So, okay. <laughs> it does. I could see why you would think that, because it does. But if you look closer, so ugly. Her bangs you, are terrible. Do you guys think Annabelle's creepy? Uh, do you not think real, she's creepy? Have you the, seen her? The movie no. or the real life? Oh, oh the, the movie, movie doll or the real? No. I think the real doll's creepier. I think it the real creepy. doll's creepier too. Much creepier. I, no, oh, I think the movie doll is horrifying. I would like for her to not look at me. You haven't seen the real one? 
I'm looking at a picture of the real one and it's cute. <laughs> That's yeah. what you like think. Her. Yes, say that okay. when Annabelle's on top of you, choking the life out of you. <laughs> like, Annabelle, I thought you were cute. Love me. <laughs> Love me no, or die. I, the movie did, like, they, they went out of their way to make the movie Annabelle look fucking terrifying and gross. That's because James Wan's afraid of dolls. He's like, so I he did worse that. Look at his movies. There's a doll in every one of them. He, was it was an Aquaman. Billy the Puppet uh, from Saw? Yeah. Oh, my God. I Oh, yeah. I was like, there was a doll in Saw? There totally was. Here, right? And then there's Dead that Silence. Is, that is also terrifying. Doll. And Billy's in there, too. Yeah, Dead Silence. And <laughs> then, it, yeah, there's a, there's a scary doll in almost all of his movies. Yep. It's a cool-looking doll regardless. It's just not scary as a real doll. I honestly oh. don't think that she doesn't even look as scary as the dolls in Dead Silence. No, I just feel like Annabelle, the doll from the movie, looks like something you'd find at the Halloween store. Yeah, oh, for sure. Totally. Like it's over the like top. Like those ugly babies. Yeah, yeah, like it's a lazily done generic creepy doll. Well, I wouldn't call it lazily, just maybe a little generic. I think in the in the attempt to make her look creepy, she looks less creepy to me. Like Annabelle from the origin movie that came out after the sequel where she looks clean and brand new looks creepier to me than the bedraggled one from this movie. Oh, Maybe creation. Because it looks like it's supposed to be scary and you're already like, huh? Yeah. Oh. It, it's, it's the naked gun effect of like, you could have your actors acting like they're in a comedy and it'll be kind of funny. Or you can have your actors acting like they're in a serious drama and it'll be hella funny. Mm -hmm. You have your creepy doll looking like a creepy doll and it's not scary to me. No. Yeah, I could see that. I still think movie Annabelle is horrifying. <laughs> but that's a person. Well, yeah. Most people think that she's horrifying, which is yeah. the point. So. Yeah, that's true, mm -hmm. I guess. Anyway, the two girls are telling their story of Annabelle and it reveals Ed and Lorraine Warren interviewing them. They tell their story about how they found the doll and then, or they got the doll as a present and they found out that it was haunted because it started moving and shit. So they or, take her home. I don't know why they accepted that into their home. Was, was she did, already there? They didn't. They always, Donna said that she, it was a gift from her mom and this is from the movie and then all these strange things happening and stuff. What kind of mom is that? Well, that's the thing. In the real story, it's a cheap Raggedy Ann doll she got at a thrift store. In yeah, the yeah. movie, it's clearly a haunted doll. Yeah. Like, that's not something a mother would buy her daughter. It'd be like, mm, she'd love this. Unless she was trying Horrifying to mess doll with her. Scratch marks on her face and well, lips that look like a tongue. Well, I didn't, I didn't see the Annabelle movie. I just saw Annabelle creation and the conjuring. So... I don't know what happened between those movies. Oh, she... nothing. It's completely made up, irrelevant nonsense. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They don't show how Donna got the doll in those movies. Uh, I believe in the end of the first Annabelle movie, Donna's mom buys it at a thrift store and says, oh, this will make a great gift for my daughter, Donna. Oh, okay. So that's oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's... I don't know why the doll's damaged if that's how the last one ended. If that's yeah. how the prequel yeah. ends, it doesn't make sense that the doll's damaged in this one. Yeah. I've no. seen all of the Annabelle movies, and I can't really, for the life of me, remember much of what happened in any of them. I don't like the first yeah. Annabelle movie, Why? straight up. The one of the couple, right? And they move into like that high rise. Sacrificial Negro. The lady kills herself to save the white woman, who <laughs> oh she barely gosh. knows. Dude, I was like, wow. yeah. <laughs> it's really racist. Damn. 
also the it white just, people. It, in itself it just wasn't that good of a movie well it's weird i thought i thought the sequels that followed it were much stronger than like the first creation was, was creation was really good so was uh annabelle comes home it feels like a goosebumps movie Having seen oh, yeah, it, so I that, don't know. That's the one with Judy and her babysitters, right? Yes, it feels I, I, like I, I a Goosebumps episode. I really like yeah. it. Yeah. It, it's hella cheesy, though. It, it is. Yeah. It, I don't think, I think it got to the point where they're like, all right, it's the third one. Please don't take it that seriously. I just have fun. But with I, it. I enjoyed it. I really, really liked the third one. It felt f- more fun than the other ones. Yeah. Not as scary, but it was more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't like the Annabelle movie. For one, it's not based on a true story in any way, shape, or form. No. And two, right. it's just flat out bland. Like I was disappointed to find out that it's not a Annabelle's not alive in any way. She's literally being carried around by ghosts and demons and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, scary. Going back to the movie, it pretty much follows the true story in the sense that Annabelle's a gift. They are told the story of Annabelle being a ghost of a little girl, and then they accept it into their house, and then they're immediately frightened when the doll starts moving and acting haunted. Yeah, and then Which, there's the the creepy writing on all the parchment paper, and I believe on the walls she also writes yeah, on the walls. On the movie, she writes in the walls, but in real yeah. life, she doesn't do that. Yeah, it's on parchment. Do it. I kind of got the vibe that someone was playing a prank on them, which Ed points out in the movie because. Yeah. There's that dude in that scene that looks very nervous, like he's in trouble, and then he has no lines. <laughs> oh, so, Lou? I feel about the fiance? If he's supposed to be Lou, we're not told that in the movie. He could just be a random th- person because they don't show him. They just He's just there for some reason. Yeah. yeah. I feel like just if we watch The Conjuring from the air of skepticism, despite the fact that we know there's really ghosts... I kind of don't buy anything that Ed says. Do you think it's all um, smoke and mirrors? No, I just think he's delusional. <laughs> or he I mean, really... I, I did kind of, I did kind of watch. I I viewed this movie through the eyes of a skeptic because I am a skeptic, but we'll save that for later. Well, <laughs> I I'm not a skeptic. I enjoy supernatural stuff, but I feel like it's more interesting to watch this movie under the guise of Ed pretends to know what he's talking about. But he's just trying to be supportive because Lorraine is actually a psychic. Mm. Oh, so he has no expertise in demonology and nothing like that. Here's an example, right? He tells the two girls demons can't possess objects and ghosts aren't strong enough to manipulate these vessels that demons could inhabit. Right. And yet he's got a trophy room filled with vessels that can't be destroyed because demons might escape them because they're possessed. He just contradicts himself within a couple scenes. Yeah, pretty much. Could it just be bad writing? Well, no, because a lot of what Ed says doesn't check out in the movie. He tells them that they can't leave the house, but you find out the next scene, Bathsheba's after revenge against the people that own her land. So if they moved, it clearly would have went away. But what if the witch is just a bitch? Uh. You can't leave, but I'm going to kill you regardless if you do leave. Why? She's only mad that they st- that they bought her land. In fact, the mom was able to leave just fine until she was coaxed back in and then she was made so that she couldn't leave. The point is, every time Ed says something, almost immediately it's proven to be wrong. If ghosts can't manipulate these vessels, how is Bathsheba able to move Annabelle in the scene where she's frightened Judy? Hmm. Wait, I thought um, the person scaring Judy was just a demon from Annabelle creation, not the uh, witch itself. 
they didn't set that up yet, and she's dressed like Bathsheba, and it's played by Bathsheba. Oh, right, right. End of a creation happens later on. Right. That's my point, is a lot of the stuff Ed, not Lorraine, Ed specifically in the movie says stuff that doesn't check out later. So you're thinking he's just going on the, on the um, um, just by guessing and hope he's right? The main conflict of the movie is the fact that they need a priest in order to do an exorcism. And then he says, that's oh, fine. I can do it myself. I know. Yeah. Right? When, I mean, yeah, it, it worked out <laughs> in the end. But yeah, you're right. But, but he didn't do anything. It worked out because Lorraine gave her a pep talk. It doesn't work mm-hmm. out because Ed helped. And also, so. he I can't imagine the Vatican would be happy to find out that he did that when he was not qualified. Blasphemy. And then they yeah. ended up not needing help. Yeah. No. Did he did he see any reprimand for the decision he decided to make? Wait, what what are you gonna do? Bring the witch back into their house? But what would <laughs> that and it's not like he's a priest, they uh-huh. can't fire him or nothing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Lorraine's a legit psychic and he is just trying to help. Yeah. She says multiple times in the movie, I'm just trying to help, but I feel like he doesn't know what he's talking about half the time he speaks. So Lorraine's the actual hero and Ed is just flying by the skin of his boots. In the end, Lorraine's the one that helps. Yeah. Anyways, after the Annabelle scene got tangented again, it reveals that the whole thing has been a recording of the interview. And that is the classroom scene that shows that they're actually speaking in front of, uh, like, as a guest lecturer at a college yeah. in a entirely full college classroom. Yes. Three minorities. Anyway, 1970s, <laughs> whatever. Um oh she kind of does her cool superhero reveal thing. Like, what do we call you? I'm Batman. Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. And then, like, cue the title card. Or, like, title oh, yeah. card. My critics call me a kook, but you could call me Ed and Lorraine Warren. You know what I mean? Like, title card. Felt, title card. It felt like a superhero moment. Yeah. Because they're yeah. clearly the superheroes of the movie. Yeah, I'm sh- yeah, I was, yeah, I'm sure James Wan intended for them to feel that way. Like, this is the couple. Yeah, they are the, they are the best characters in the movie. I like the typeface on the title cards and the and the type look for the block of text that appears. Mm-hmm. I mean, the font? Yeah, the yeah the font. Whatever. Typeface. <laughs> uh, tomato, tomato. You went to the same school as me. You should know what a typeface is. Hey, I only passed that class with a C, and it's a passing grade, so that's all that matters. I got an A minus. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think I got a B plus. Mel, in a typeface is what the the look of the letters are. Font is literally the size. Yeah, that's all font oh, okay. means. So, like a twelve point font versus Times New Roman typeface. Okay, uh, that makes like more comic, sense. Comic Sans is a typeface, but like mm-hmm. Comic Sans, like size like eleven is referring to the font, like the size. Yeah, the number would be the font. The okay. name of the style would be the typeface. Interesting. Okay. Tangent. All right. Tangent. Sorry. Um, so many tangents in this Okay. One. That block yeah. of text kind of describes how who the Warrens are. Uh, obviously, history lesson for anybody who doesn't know about them. But then it ends with, there's one case so diabolical that they ye- they never speak of it. Until now. Till now. And then the Conjuring <laughs> logo. But then your true story points out they don't talk about it because it ended in a failure and they got kicked out of the dude's house. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing scary. It just fell. Like you made it worse. Oh, Get out of my house. Even though there are several, several movies and several TV shows 
like have been made like about like Ed and Lorraine Warren's cases, like what the Amityville, the haunting in Connecticut, um, the Einfeld haunting, and then there's the new one coming out, I think, this year. Uh the devil made me do it. Yeah, which I actually know of that case. Don't I know really that know case gonna... too. Yeah, I was like, I don't really I know we're tangenting again. Fuck. I'm oh, really to talk about this. If I could pick any Ed and Lorraine story for them to do into a movie, it would be the werewolf one. I don't know a whole, I just, whole I, lot about which is reading about that right now. now. Well, what's fascinating is Ed never believed in werewolves, but well, Lorraine. He you know what? That's me. Sorry, that's me. But, no, but he Lorraine really should. No, no, no. B- before that story, right? right. Mm. So in the real story, Ed was a skeptic going in, and Lorraine just wanted to help. I want to see that in a movie. Making Ed yeah. the believer. Ed, yeah, Ed. Like by the end, he's like, okay, fine. I believe in werewolves now. Oh, like a uh, modern Scully. Yeah, I would love to see that in a Conjuring movie. That would be cool. Yeah. After the classroom bit and the title card, we're shown the per- perun? Parents. Or- per- perun. I, yeah, I'm, temp- I'm tempted to pronounce it perun, but I know that's not, I think they're I'm, just an American. I'm not American even going to try pronouncing it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're, we're immediately like, <laughs> like boom, immediately after the superhero introduction. Yeah. After um, the superhero the introduction, family. yes, we're introduced to the parent family who are currently acting out a cliche move into the haunted house scene. By the way, hide and clap sounds like so much fun. Yes, it does. Definitely. It yeah. sounds like so much fun. It's like it's Marco like Polo, Mar- except not yeah. in water and you got to stay where you are. And he yeah. should. I play Marco Polo out of water. So yeah. that's made up for the movie, right? Was that a real game? I, I don't think so. Don't Google. I, th- I think that. Like it seems too convenient to have been a real thing, like because the, the that game and the clapping contributes to a lot of the jump scares, like the effective jump scares and the creepiness of the movie. It's like they I built think it that around it's, it. I think that the I think the like the writers created that game specifically for this. I mean, it unless, looks unless Andrea fun. Perrin says that they did play it, which I don't think she did. I, it does look fun. It looks like so much fun. I did make the note of. They play hide and clap, and the mom says not to play that in the house because they just moved in and it's dangerous. And then immediately plays it upstairs in the next. Yeah, year. she could just. <laughs> yeah. She almost, she bumped into the she bumped into the railing. She could yeah. fall over. Exactly my thoughts. Uh, anyway, that move in scene, very cliche move in scene of yeah. teenage girl doesn't like the house. Uh, all the kids dog senses something evil. Like doesn't want to come in. Doesn't want to come in. And I looked this up. They had a cat in real life, not a dog. Yeah, it was a cat, and the cat didn't want to come inside. Oh, but did, did the I cat guess dogs were more likable. No, the cat wasn't killed. Oh, I'm sure if I had killed a dog, how rude. Yeah, well, I, I think it's safe to say that in any horror movie, if there is a dog, it's going to die. It's like Chekhov's dog. Didn't and die in Amityville. Nope. nope. The, uh, the, the father went back there for it. Was a dog in Amityville? Oh, man. He I freaking guess he runs that... back for the dog at the end of Amityville. Yeah, and he saves the dog. My mind. Yay. Ugh. Go for the father. Speaking of Amityville. I was about I... to say that. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Let me just say Conjuring. Before I get into it, this is like a Tarantino movie of haunted house movies. This Why? Is... Is, is there a lot of close up of feet, too? Yeah, is there a reserve for Oh my gosh, that's where your mind goes. Yes, no. immediately. Have you seen from Dust Dawn? <laughs> no yeah. feet. That wasn't a Sama Tarantino Hayek. movie. Oh, he was in it though, but he wrote the movie, right? No, it was uh Robert Rodriguez. Oh. He wrote that scene Tarant- into a piece's creepy friend. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that made you even more uncomfortable. 
Oh, yeah. Beat. I was like, because then that scene, Sama Hayek's like shoving her fucking foot all the way down his throat and he's loving it. Tangent. And I was like, dude, you're working. <laughs> wow. It's a good movie. It's a fun yeah. movie. Getting paid. Fun fact that was supposed to be the Tales from the Crypt movie. Yeah, yeah. I did have yeah. I did have like a bordello of blood kind of like vibe from that movie. Yeah. Oh, a- anyway. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. No. This movie is like a Tarantino movie in the sense that it's pretty much a remix of scenes from other movies. Yeah. What, like Pol- Invisible Horror? Poltergeist and uh, Amityville. Poltergeist, Amityville, The Changeling. Name a classic haunted house movie. And there's a reference to it in The Conjuring. Yeah. Very that, much so. That, the oh, house okay. look, Yeah, the house looked really similar interior to Amityville. Yeah. In fact, uh, the real parent house, I don't think it was three stories. No, it wasn't. It was... If you look at pictures of the actual home, it's like one story and it's not nearly as nice looking as the one in the movie. No it's a farmhouse. Yes. And it's all white. Um, By the way, that house kind of remind me of Red Dead. Oh, the yeah. Red Dead 2. In Red Dead 2, you guys get a like a house base and in one part of the game and it's like a green roof with trees leading up down a path like it looks exactly like the house in the conjuring anyway in that same move-in scene there's a long shot of the kids going through the house as she's trying to hang her wind chime yeah yeah i really dug that because i could see every fake like transition because like it's a one shot right like like a like a Spielberg wonder. It's a long take of her walking through the house and zipping out of the rooms and walking around the family. But you could see where they hid cuts. Yeah. I really dug it. Loved that shot. I think that's one of my favorite shots of the movie. And this whole movie is shot really well. Yeah. I do like a lot of the composition shots in it. Uh, I will say that wonder in the beginning, though, not really too sure what the purpose is besides having fun with it. Oh, that's true. It, it didn't really have a function. And and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the beginning scene where it shows them moving. It's pretty much one shot, but I'm, I'm sure there's a few cuts in between, but it's like shown as one shot. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be. Yeah, it starts with the moving van and then it follows her into the house, grabbing her wind chime and then calling the sister. And then it follows all the way to the tree where it shows that the sister found a music box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. April. Yeah. Cool it's, it's all yeah. done in w- one take, but it looks like it's a bunch of takes stitched together. Very cool. Yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. It It's very well thought out, but it doesn't feel like it has much of a point to it at all. It's just to show the layout of the interior for later on in the movie. I thought so, but then it doesn't show the basement or that door or it doesn't even go down the hall. It's just them running around. Yeah. When I was watching it, I kind of got like a very busy feeling. I think they were trying to give a feel for the family, like each little like oh. shot at each girl. Mm. And then also like the busyness of one moving in and two to kind of just like to send home the message of how busy and loud this family is. Big old yeah. family. That, that makes sense. Okay. That makes a lot more hectic. sense. Yeah. Like, oh my God, can you imagine five girls? Yeah. No offense to girls, but oh my God, there's five of them. And the youngest is five, the oldest is 17. No offense to girls, you're a girl. It's a lot of hormones. I have a lot of sisters. You have a lot of sisters. <laughs> I'm <laughs> a lot of sisters. Right. Uh, first, the girls play hide and clap. That's when they first introduce hide and clap. We talked about that briefly. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah. The, the scene ends with them finding the basement. Did they, so they were not aware that this basement basement existed beforehand because it was clearly boarded up, correct? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Correct. I mean, I mean, the the first sense that something was wrong, obviously, like, was the clocks all stopping at three o seven, and then the mother Carolyn waking up with bruises. Well, that that was after the part where they find the basement. Yes. The thing is, the furnace is down there. So how is the basement hidden if that's an essential thing to heat the house? Who knows? But they did. They, one way or another, they would have to go down there eventually. Bad writing. Uh, Roger does say that they bought the house on auction, so they weren't allowed to look inside or know anything about it. That doesn't. doesn't yeah, I know. Sense. I know. I don't. It, it still doesn't make any sense about why they would need to board up. It's suspicious. The basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who boarded it up? Previous owners, I'm guessing. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But I did notice when he goes down the stairs, the quality on the camera changes. Does it? You mean yeah. the, the film quality? The it film changes? quality changes every time they're standing in that hallway. So you think it's intentional? I think they couldn't fit a film camera down that hallway. <laughs> oh, I thought it was maybe so this is a haunting, so the camera changes. But it's not like that immediately when it cuts to him walking around the basement. Mm. Mm. I I didn't notice. It it looks like GoPro footage on my TV. Mm. Mm. Just for when he's mm. going down the stairs. And I I did notice I liked how they set up the matches to be used in the later clap scene. Yeah, that oh, was when creepy. Carolyn becomes trapped. Yeah, the matches are down there because Roger left them in the earlier scene. Yeah. That night they look out on the dog barking. And the bruises start appearing. That's when she notices the clocks at 3.07 mm-hmm. and the bad smell. I liked that that scene where she's walking around checking the clocks and the daughter's like, it smells really bad. She says, Does it st-? <laughs> and she's like, does it still smell? I was like, no. She says, oh, problem solved. <laughs> Let it solve itself. Uh, Did that at home only have one bathroom? No, because. Oh, no, it does in those two bathrooms. There are. Yes, okay. second floor. Well. Yeah. That's just the second floor bedroom bathroom for everybody. They never established the first floor bathroom until that guy uses it toward the end of the movie. Yeah, for that fake scare. Oh, the fake out. Yeah. That looks like it's in the same hallway as the basement. Yeah, and that I assumed was a closet. Yeah, I thought he was coming yeah. from the basement. It looked I, like this. Yeah, it looked like he was coming from the basement, but I guess it wasn't. So the layout isn't clear. Yeah, I think there's just like doors that have not been opened yet. But yeah, I, I, I was under the impression that that door was a closet and it turns out no it was about oh, oh was it was the um bathroom the opposite end of the basement that wasn't clear i feel like there was rooms mm. that they didn't show us in the movie yeah right after that they find the dog dead outside that oh, morning poor, poor doggy so they didn't do nothing did the dog die because of bathsheba or because it was chained up outside and a wild animal got it no mention <laughs> No, this never made clear, but I, I can only assume in a movie about a haunted home with violent spirits that the spirits kill the dog. The demon, the witch, something supernatural got the dog. Yeah. Could have been a could have been a mountain lion. I don't know. Could have been. Amber brought this up when we we're watching it. The rule of threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is established early on in the movie. And I immediately thought of like the comedy rule of threes. Yeah. Everything's in threes in a movie. So the third time they show the dog, it's dead. Oh, really? Yeah. So Okay. The way the rule of threes works, as far as writing goes, 
you have your what how does it go again it's it's set not up? it's not set up and punchline it's like set up execution punchline i believe that's it or is it so, like set up establishing and then punchline i think that's something like that but the point is it everything goes in three beats for like comedy it's bam 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 in this yeah. movie they show the dog uh, they show the dog not wanting to go in they show the dog barking and scared and then they show it dead and then the same thing happens with the mirror there's a creepy establishing bit with the mirror Oh, I didn't mention earlier, when the sister found the mirror, it shows her open it and then look over her shoulder like she kind of saw something. Oh, I didn't I didn't notice that at all. I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. And then this but the second time the mom does it, and that's another creepy scene when she's playing hide and clap with her later in the movie. That's actually the next bit with the mom and the uh, anyway. The point is the third time is the payoff showing that the mirror shows a ghost. So there's the rule Oh, when of, Lorraine sees it. When Lorraine sees it, that's the third time you see the mirror. All of the rule of threes pay off as far as, I mean, this movie does a very good job with foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because everything pays off later in the movie, but everything happens in threes. Yeah. Is that a dog? Do you guys hear a dog? It's mine. Um, Okay. She's not in the same room. She's in another room, but she, that's a chihuahua, but she barks loud. I thought Amber and Alex got a dog. Can't afford one. <laughs> no, nah. a dog would be cool though. Pet rip man. I love dogs. Dogs awesome. That's why I didn't mm-hmm. like to kill Sadie. No, I didn't. Pressing. She wasn't around long enough for me to care. A dog is so a cute. dog. Yeah, a dog's a dog. I always care because she's yeah. lassie. Ah, that's a dog. Nineteen seventies. Anyway, okay. after after that scene where they find Sadie dead, it shows Ed giving the tour of his trophy room, and I mentioned this earlier about him like contradicting himself from previously where he says the yeah. vessels can't be destroyed. It'd be like letting the genie out of the bottle. Yes. You got to keep them in my house. Yeah. But then earlier he said that they can't possess objects. So shouldn't you destroy the door, the door? Well, he says that the demons can't possess the objects. They can only use the objects as a vessel to infect our world. Wouldn't yeah. destroying them stop them from doing that. Wasn't it like, didn't they mention that the artifacts, or at least, or at least the doll out of it was like a conduit that they were just using it to move and act? All of actually the, possess? All of the items in the room are, he says. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that means the demons are just there waiting, not like moving, they're just waiting within the um, artifacts. But they're not in the artifacts because he says it's impossible for them p- to possess an item. But yet, well, then why keep him if that's not the case? exactly he contradicted himself that's what i mean it sounds like ed doesn't know what he's talking about in the movie i still think this is it's the writing that's his character again everything lorraine says turns out to be legit and everything ed says sounds like he's making it up on the fly con man not a con man he's just trying to be supportive i noticed that too he says genie out of the bottle he kind of does that star trek thing of i'm gonna take something very complicated and then explain it using an analogy you might understand yeah. Like, yeah. Putting too much air in a balloon. Exactly. Simplify it. Yeah. But he does that a lot in the movie where he'll take a, a complicated concept like being possessed and then he'll equate it to getting gum on your shoe. But that's, I like that analogy. It just makes, um, it makes sense. Uh, quick question Who was the black guy? He said it was a reporter. Oh, okay. And after that scene, they have a conversation about how he feels that that reporter was really interested and wanted to learn. And he doesn't seem like a skeptic trying to F with them. 
Okay. Yeah, they make a point of that in The Conjuring too. Yeah. After that is the first scene where it shows the nightfall of things weird happening. Like the sister thinks that the other sister, I don't remember the the daughter's names. Uh, Christine and Christine is the one who's getting a lot pulled and Nancy is the one who shares the room with her. It sets that up too. It's the first time her legs pulled and then it shows the dad waking up and hearing footsteps. Yeah. Is that the, is that the one when they, when they see them when that girl sees something in the corner? No, it was before that. The leg pulling thing happens. Like one there's like a one-off to kind of like establish that it's happening. It happens and then the, twice. The, the scene where she, yeah. Then in the scene, and then the Where third time is oh, that's what i mean it did it again on oh, the payoff it's the payoff it her leg was pulled twice and then the third time she sees the monster in the corner oh yeah you're right rule of threes yeah Th- that scene kind of set up everything that's the dad hearing noises and it sets up the middle kid sleepwalking into the wardrobe oh into the older sister's wardrobe she's well, like the- ba- she's like tapping her head lightly on the doors well, they ha- they share a room. No, the oldest the oldest daughter Andrea didn't share a room with anyone. The two young the four younger girls shared rooms. So but- she walked into her sister's room and did this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I wasn't clear on that. Do they yeah, ever I think show that- the middle up? kids' room? They do. So so Christine and Nancy are the ones with the leg pulling. Someone's behind the door of that room, and then April and Cindy's room is the um, scene where. Carolyn walks in to find um, April talking to no one. Oh, yeah, so that's their then, room, but we don't we don't see it nearly as often as the other two girls' rooms and then or the, the other four, three girls' rooms. And the oldest has her own room. Yeah, I think that room. was like to to placate her because she was so upset for moving. It would have been just easier they just moving three... their their seventeen year old daughter. Yeah, it would have been just easier. <laughs> just if they just had three sisters: the old, the middle, and the youngest. That's it to keep well, track of all of them. It's based on yeah. a true story, but yeah. at the same time, not it, all of it's true. Again, the layout of the house isn't really clear. Yeah. All right. After that, that's the next morning when she first finds or another bruise. Again with the threes, there's another bruise, um, and that's when the first dead bird appears, and that's the imaginary friend scene that you were just talking about. Oh, uh, when uh, the girls go to school and it's just Carolyn and April at home. She should be old enough to know that's not imaginary friends. Just saying. Yeah, how old? I was trying to place how old April is that she's not going to school with the rest of her sisters. I think she's supposed to be she's, young. Is she supposed to be like five and she's just not going to kindergarten? I thought that she's supposed to be younger, but the actress was too tall. Huh. Yeah, she looked older than five. And I was like, you're school going age, but she's staying home with Carolyn and then they play hide and clap. She looks like she's like nine or ten, but yeah, she's supposed but I guess to she's be. Su- she's supposed to be like five. She's supposed to be young enough to where she doesn't have to go to school. Yeah, but you're right, Amber. It, it you should be old enough to be like, no, that's a ghost. Mm. Yeah. What if she was special? Maybe that's why she doesn't go to school. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the movie is. I think the movie just like miscasted her, but like, yeah, she she's supposed to be young enough to where you have an imaginary friend, and it's like, oh yeah. Uh, you know, your family's being haunted. At certain points, like especially further on in a movie. Sure, but what would yeah. a five-year-old know would understand that? I sure as hell would. I think I would. I would now. I remember ghost shit happening to me, my family when I was a kid. I only got spooked like once, but that was like two years ago. That's, you weren't five then. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we'd just talk about, you know, getting, uh, you know, um, experiences with ghosts in general. No, she was talking about being young enough to not understand that it's not normal and it's creepy. I gotcha. That's also when the mom first 
plays hide and clap, and she's led into the oldest sister's room where the hands clap out of the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I really liked that scene. Yeah. But again, as I pointed out, she's playing hide and clap on the second story and almost falls down the stairs. Dangerous. Mm. Yep. Completely unrelated to the ghost. She almost hurts herself. A lot of hypocrisy in this show or movie. I mean, where somebody says something and then does the opposite. Pretty much. I feel like the little girl's line delivery also felt kind of odd in that scene, but it did. Girl. She rushed through it really fast. What, yeah. what, what, did she, what did she say? She was like, oh, you took your blindfold off. You weren't even close or she was like cheating. And then she like said like four different like facets of a sentence. She was like, one, you're cheating because you took your blindfold off Two, you weren't even close because I was in Cindy and no Christine and Nancy's room. And then she won. Well, it was just, it, mean, was a, it was a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> I don't want to be too strict on kid actors because it's hard enough for them. So, yeah, I can't I'll, expect I'll them to be well trained in, in acting. Yeah. So that's the first time in the movie, though, I noticed that there's a lot of random ADR in the film. Mm. Yes, very much so. Explain ADR. I don't know. Additional voice recording. It's basically where they dub over a line over the footage for some reason, like a voiceover. But a lot of times they do it in post, right? Sometimes if maybe the original take didn't get the audio right. Yeah, usually. But I know if they want to do something to move the story more, which is what they do. Something like to like add something in that they didn't originally get in the original take. Yeah, okay. like the mom going, "I heard you. Oh, I can hear you breathing." And it's <laughs> the back of her head. The actress probably didn't say that on the set. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. There's a lot of that throughout the movie of like people shouting lines into the ADR over chaos when no one's actually talking. Yes. Amber had note of a really bad one later on that we'll get into in that scene. But (laughs) after the hide and clap with the wardrobe bit, the next scene shows Roger coming home. That's the same scene uh, before the hide and clap bit. The mom plays with the music box and there's that cheap scare of the little girl scaring her. Oh, and that's the first instance of us really seeing the mirror. Yeah. The little girl, because April says like, oh, if you look at it, like Rory will appear behind you and then Rory doesn't appear, but the girl does. Yeah. So they, they yeah. hint, and she scares, they hint at it when she first finds the music box, the second time she explains it. And then the third times when Lorraine gets it and actually sees something. Yeah. But I liked how they did the same old school thing of like the fake scare of the little girl saying boo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they didn't add a music cue. So the audience isn't supposed to be scared by the little girl. Oh, like that uh, rising tension of the score. I said it's going to happen. Yeah, they didn't do that because you knew it wasn't any danger. It's just a little girl. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's no wasted scares or like jump scares in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. The next scene after that shows the dad taking a job in another city. He's going to be gone for a week. That's when they establish that they're struggling financially and that he's a truck driver. So he's going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, like, Carolyn and the girls are left to their own devices while he goes to work. That's when all hell breaks loose. Because within that same scene, that's when you get the second bedroom scene. Where that first it starts off with somebody pulling her leg. She thinks it's her sister. Then it's a heavy pull, so she looks under the bed. Mm -hmm. And then she sees something by the door. And that is a great scene. I I definitely think that was one of the, like... 
most selling points of that scene. Yeah. It felt most genuine fear. I think that's yeah. the best acted scene in the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, you already felt her pain and anguish. Yeah. I mean, Especially when the sister gets up and like genuinely feels like I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. I don't see anything. And yeah, she's like, and and neither do we for the most part. Like we're not seeing what she's seeing, but she's terrified. I yeah, know they could, they could just easily add her like a face or a hand or something. Yeah, I, I think it, it works so much better with them not showing us what's there. Less I, is more. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. I love that there was nothing there because even on our bright TV, if you turn up the brightness, there's literally nothing in the scene. The actress is playing like pantomime in that scene yeah. and it sells because the other character is so confused yeah like uh, uh, <laughs> yeah the glasses uh, yeah oh nancy 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 yeah nancy and that's just, towards yeah. the beginning where you kind of feel skeptic at yeah. first yeah and i thought it was cool because the door slams and the one that got her leg pulled whose name i can't remember christine Christine starts <laughs> screaming, and then when they show Nancy immediately after, she's just like, "What? The door closed." Yeah, she's like, still why? by the door. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, clearly she didn't get scared even after the yeah. door slammed. And she's yeah, like, I think I think the door yeah. slamming. I think the door slamming scared her just because of like the sound of a door slamming. But yeah, just she wasn't experiencing what Christine was exactly. And I love that because it, like a split second, she seems crazy, and then the yeah. dad and mom come in like, "What the hell is going on?" And yeah. she gives her monologue of, it says it wants my family dead. Yeah. And we for sure didn't hear that. So she, no. like, all this whole experience is just happening to Christine and Christine only. Yes. That was such a great scene. Yeah. I think that's my favorite scene of the movie. Yeah. But yeah. there's no payoff because she's not the one that the mom tries to kill at the end. I know, right? No. She I mean, should. she does. She Are we jumping ahead? She does bring them both. She brings the two youngest. But she only takes one of them to the basement. That is, that is true. Wait a minute. Wait. Anyway, sorry. That is jumping okay. ahead. <laughs> okay. I just felt like it was a setup with no payoff. After that, it goes back to Ed and Lorraine in their house discussing whether or not they should take another case. Ed's trying to go off on a loan. And yeah. Lorraine is like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, oh, I don't want the same shit to happen because apparently she got hurt during the last exorcism. Yeah, she like... She she was traumatized and then locked herself in their bedroom for like eight days and didn't come out. Something. Well, they, and then they, they don't, don't and then they don't touch on it until the sequel. Is it supposed to be Valak that she saw? Because they never I, they never they never reference it. They don't reference the first conjuring in those movies. So I I just assumed it was something else. Valak, that's the that, that's the nun, right? Yeah, yeah the nun. Uh, I don't know if she saw. Her specifically in the, in the sequel, she says that what she saw that made her so traumatized was Ed's death. I don't think that Valak was involved in that, but Valak was involved in the in the. I, I'm talking about a completely different movie. Oh right, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Yeah, okay, never mind. Anyway, the point is, Lorraine convinces Ed to let her go with him on another case, and the case yes. turns out to be leaky pipes. Yeah, squeaky. Wood, wooden boards in their in their Sweet. attic. Yeah. I think that was supposed to establish that the Warrens are legit because they're capable of debunking nonsense ghost cases. Yeah, or that like they're not as they're not as like they're not looking deceptive for as uh, as like some skeptics would believe. Like they're they're open to the fact that there's a rational explanation to things, yeah. and not everything is a ghost. I think they were trying to establish that which ha- which how it should be sure. all the time. If it was rational, yeah. it's normal. If it's not, get the yeah, fuck out of there. They're not the type that would be like, ooh, this is immediately a ghost. You need you need our help and also pay us. Like I think that was 
<laughs> I think um, that's the point of that scene. Quick question: yeah. Did the Warrens ever get paid in real life, or did, was it like for free? I'm sure they got fucking paid, right? They I had thought to it was a hobby type job. Wow, well, oh, I don't know. I'd have to look into that. <laughs> they need money. I I cannot imagine. I thought they got their money from like like media stuff, like yeah, going because. Yeah, I'm doing sure. guest lectures and writing books. I didn't think they got paid to go do the investigation. Yeah, because Ed, he was oh. um, in the military, so he should probably got like something from his GI Bill or something. Well, look into this. at the same time, in the movie, they kind of <sighs> hint that they work with the college because they have an assistant that's at the college. So All I, right. I thought maybe they were investigators for the college, but that wasn't really clear. It doesn't matter. Just curious is all. Right after that, Carolyn's folding laundry, and then she hears noises in the hall, thinks it's mm. the daughters, goes and checks, all of the kids are asleep, and then all the pictures fall off the wall. And it's a yeah. huge, crashing, loud sound, and nobody hears it. Yeah, that, that none up. of the daughters heard, but it was astoundingly loud. I was like, all of the girls should have woken up. It happened right next to Andrea's room. I know, right? In the previous scene, Sydney wakes up Nancy by going... Nancy, wake up. And then immediately after, she can't hear glass breaking outside her bedroom door. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, unless it's like ghost powers or something. <laughs> she looks soundproof. Well, powers. witch powers. I guess. Yeah. I don't want to call her a witch because that sounds like. Anyway. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that too later. So she hears the clapping, right? Yes. And she's walking around the house going, who is that? What's going on? Because Roger's gone. All of her yeah. kids are asleep. My mind goes to intruder, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Such a big house. Huge yes, house. So many, so many ways to break in in the 70s. I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking about that. There's so many windows. There was a back yeah. door. Yeah, yeah. Husband's yeah, gone. House full of teenage <laughs> girls. And you're not going to be like, maybe someone broke into our house. Mm. I know, like at so, all skeptic. So out of curiosity, was Ted Bundy a thing around that time? Or those, you know, killers around this, <sighs> that time period? I'm not I, sure. I, I'm the wrong because, person to ask. I do not yeah, think this Yeah, I would, I would figure if, if they were around, <laughs> she, she would be more secure about her home. I don't think oh. he yeah, was when did, when did uh When did uh, the Sharon Tate murders? That was in the 60s. But I mean, Ed Gein was in like the, the 1950s. So like they knew of serial killers. Yeah, I mean, but, but in the 1970s, you think they'd be a little more. Well, no, the there. 1970s was still around the time period people didn't lock their door. Ugh, ugh, my gosh, so dumb. I'm so anxious as as a society. <laughs> the idea of locking your door to keep the bad guys out was really widespread because of the 80s. So, yeah, but yeah when did Stranger Danger start? Was that in the 80s? The Stranger Danger ad campaign that they had in schools was in the 80s. I like mm -hmm. how you know all this. Alex. Well, I, yeah, I'm weird. I'm not even. I'm not even that old. I just enjoy old commercials. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ten o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Yes, that was around the same oh, time. Gosh, oh. our cousins did a parody video of that commercial. I remember that. I remember that too. Yeah, and Anthimada in the background when she was like, "Yes, she's right in front of me." And I was like, "Mom, <laughs> mom, we're filming. Be quiet, please." Oh my god, if I could find those videos, dude, could you imagine? I'm sure Dion still has them. Or the, the Grease movie that we remade. I have that somewhere. I want to watch that. Or, no, Lane has it. I gave it to Lane. It's in her VCR in her garage. 
Oh my god, dude, we have to watch. Okay, so it's tangent. You, you guys remade on Greece? We remade. A, I sing in Al- it. Oh, oh you yeah, do? Alex. I was five. It was before I started. It was the summer before we started kindergarten. Yeah, we were very little. We did some weird shit when we were kids. We made movies. We made yeah. films. That sounds fun. Actually, no, I should rephrase. The older cousins made us do things on camera and then they recorded it for their entertainment. Wow. That sounded so bad. Yeah. That did. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, we, we do have to find that video, though. Okay, so we left off. I left off Caroline on her downstairs. yelling at what could be a burglar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. She everybody t- was the 70s. It was totally the seventies. We're not even imagining that someone broke into their big ass house. Yeah, and she's gonna she, go look she, around. She's eventually led into the basement, right? I'm. Was she led by the clapping? Yes. Or did she, something else led her? Yeah. She heard clapping coming from the basement, and yeah. I don't know why. Would you go in there? No. Nope. Fuck no, I wouldn't go in go, there. No. Go back. Go back. Get your daughters. Leave the house. Call the cops or something. Exactly. Why wouldn't yeah. you think it was an intruder? I feel like any rational thinking person would not go down there, but for the sake of the story, she has to go down there. They need that hide and clap scare. There yeah. can't be a scary movie where they Somebody, don't do something dumb. Yeah. That's true. Dumb people have to be in your movie. I will yeah. say, when I watched this movie in theaters, that was the only scare that got me. Clapping? That hide and clap scene in the basement. Yeah, It kind that, of sucked. That, 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 that was yeah. in the trailer, though, which sucked for me i did not watch the trailers i don't watch it's the trailers for scary trailer. movies they uh, yeah they show that scene. way too much they show that scene the clapping and then the scene when uh lorraine is hanging up the laundry oh the, show oh, the trailer the, the, yeah the body right after that is the third time that the daughter gets her leg pulled or no 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 no, no. The, uh, so that, simultaneously that with that scene um Cindy, Cindy sleepwalks into Andrea's wardrobe again. Oh, right, right. Yeah. That's We're... happening at the exact same time, and that's the reason why Carolyn can't come and help when that shit goes down. Right, because, okay, I loved how that scene was shot, because the sister's sleepwalking. I forgot the older sister's name. Andrea. My sister's name is Andrea. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Wow. Andrea... Checks on the sister, takes her to bed because, like, fuck it, just sleep in my bed. And then yeah. she sits up like Michael Myers. I love I how remember. that scene was shot because the camera just tilts up and you see Bathsheba sitting on top of the yeah. wardrobe. Yeah, oh, she straight okay. up jumps onto Andrea and then the <laughs> scene cuts away. That was yeah. so awesome. Oh, my God. That's and then, and then yeah, Roger comes home, like, very conveniently comes home right as he hears his whole family screaming inside the house. I feel like they should have done oh, something to the other two or the like the girl that saw the shadow should have had something so that it was everybody. But it was chaotic enough. Yeah. Was there anything that didn't directly happen to a daughter? I feel like Nancy never saw anything supernatural the whole movie. But she 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 technically didn't see but she got her ass whooped. Did she later? She was the one who got dragged by her hair. Th- that was Andrea. That was Nancy. The one with the glasses? Yeah, that's Nancy. She's the one who shares a room with Christine. She wasn't the one pulled by her hair. That was that was Andrea that got her hair pulled because she was the biggest one. No, I think it was Nancy. Uh-uh, because I, I watched the making of and they were talking about the stunt women who had to look like the the oldest one. Oh, should have okay. just been three daughters. Much easier to remember them all. No kidding. Yeah. But also from Roger's point of view, his family just feels hysterical because he personally did not see or experience anything supernatural until yeah, nothing way happens later. To him. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the strange noises he sees a daughter moving around. 
So he doesn't see anything supernatural till like the end. Yeah. Also, okay. Should we talk about the actors or should we finish the movie before talking about the actors? Let's maybe finish finish the movie. Okay. Yeah. Right after that, it cuts to the Warrens giving another lecture where they show that exorcism that went wrong. Yeah. They actually show what happens and like how it failed. They they worked on a failed exorcism. The dude ended up killing himself and his wife. There was a note in that scene that kind of bugged me. What was it? Where they explained the reason the guy got possessed was because he was molested by his dad. Yeah, it felt kind of odd. I just feel like there's this weird... I don't know. I feel like there's a reoccurring thing in like possession movies where, oh, he's a victim. That's why he's susceptible to ghosts and demons. Like It feels kind of messed up to me. Like everyone's got possessed, got molested at one point or another. Yeah, it's because they were unclean. They get possessed by demons. Like that sounds effed up to me, and I I feel like it's a reoccurring thing that happens in ghost movies. But would it be, you know, would it be much easier to say they're just not baptized? That's why it's easier to possess them. It feels less like victim blaming to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty messed up. Now that you say it. Well, yeah. if you think of it this way, I think that a lot of possession cases could turn out to be mental health issues. 100 percent yes and then a lot of the times you you hear things like oh yeah if they were molested or abused they're more susceptible to demon possession or they're more susceptible to mental trauma because they've been abused or molested i feel like blaming demonic possession and be like oh correlation equals causation they were molested therefore they could be possessed or they could be crazy could maybe just easy to say because they're just depressed. That's why there was easier to get possessed. Again, I'm not. Or do you mean like their child, their like their trauma and their like emotional issues make them like more vulnerable? To yes. Instead of saying, oh, yeah. That's what like- they say in these movies all the time. But then again, that's also what they say about people with mental health issues. So mm-hmm. it feels like victim blaming to me. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Immediately after that, see, I think that's like the. The, the breaking point for Carolyn when she eventually seeks out Ed and Lorraine's help. Yeah, in that same lecture, they reveal that Carolyn is in attendance. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah. She's she's like all the way sitting in the back and then she meets them at the car. Well, she gets a like, close-up. My family's... Oh, yeah. She, she... Like okay. The, the... Yeah, uh, uh, there's gas in my throat. I was trying to fight it. That's, <laughs> that's where Carolyn goes to meet them and they also introduce Andrew, the assistant, yeah. Um. Was he? You can cut this out. Was he Asian? I thought he was. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, he had a. He. I was like, he kind of looks like he could be half Asian, yeah. but also he had a super hard Bruce Lee look going on. No, Did he's he totally Asian. Okay, he's totally looked, Asian. Right. Totally Asian, but he. Yeah. All right. I know my Asian radar. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They. Um. She basically implores them to come, and I guess for some reason they were hesitant to come. I'm sure they get a lot of wackos coming up to them at lectures because she goes, my house is haunted. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh, sure it is. And then she like kind of explains like, no, my daughters and yada, yada, yada. And then Lorraine and Ed are like, oh, okay, fine. We'll check it out. I ask where I go. But then again, he did explain that he didn't want to do any more things because his wife will, he'll lose his wife. Yeah, uh, he, he was afraid of the dangers of Lorraine seeing something really evil again. Yeah, but then the, the, she is successful at getting them to come to the house, and then Lorraine is immediately affected. 
So he was right. So yeah. there's that. Um, yeah. um, right after that, the Warrens go to her house and they check things out. And okay, this also leads into my whole thought process of Ed doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because she goes, there was a really foul smell. Smell? Smell? Sounds like demons to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Doesn't mean anything. It could just be like rotten meat or someone just farted. Nope. So- smell. Smell? That means demons. Anyway. Smell sounds like. Doesn't he also say something about how, like, uh, oh my God. Um, fuck. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't remember. I Are don't we getting remember, to that he, part? It turns into like an info dump right out of Ed's mouth. No, no, not yet. This whole scene. Okay. Not yet. Sorry. Because <laughs> right after the same scene, and this is the part that made Amber laugh. When they walk into the house, you find out that weeks have gone by since the last time we've seen them. They have moved into the living room because they feel safe there, and it's the warmest. Right. They have bedding on the floor. Everything's all kind of creepy. All the pictures are down because they kept flying off the walls. There's doors boarded up so that they don't slam in the middle of the night. He's like, slam? Yeah, they kind of do like a knocking, like boom, boom, boom. Oh gosh! And she was uh, trying to say they're mocking the Trinity. Oh, because they knock, they knock three times, or like they knock a <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the mocking holy ghosts. Like, they knock what? three times to mock the Holy Trinity. Like really, smells like demons. They mock the Holy Trinity. Like okay, whatever. <laughs> a little weird. Very he, specific. Can you just imagine uh, Ed Warren being your roommate? You get delivery by Amazon. Bing. What was that? Demons. Do, do, do. Demons. They're mocking the Trinity. They're clearly here. There's gum on the shoes. Demons. That's what I mean. Like, granted, I, I'm familiar with the real life cases of the Warrens, and I feel like the real life Ed Warren is more competent than the way he's portrayed in the movie. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like in this movie, Ed doesn't know what he's talking about. Do you think it's like the the actual lines? That he's given or do you think like patrick wilson himself is giving off like a like a weird know-it-all kind of vibe i think or do you think it's the lines that he's given i honestly blame patrick wilson because to me he looks like a bad guy but <laughs> he does and he was the bad guy for a bit and insidious Throughout he was his- a bad guy in hard candy that's exactly what i was thinking it was hard candy mm. he feels like he would be a bad guy or he's malicious in some way and I feel like Patrick Wilson has a very hard time being a genuine good guy in movies. <laughs> He's more believable as caring in Conjuring Part 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And okay. in Conjuring Part 1, he feels like he doesn't want to be there. Not... Not, like, acting-wise. I mean, he's clearly concerned for his wife, and he doesn't want to help the Perrin family. Right. That's what it feels like. Because the scenes where he's talking to Lorraine, he feels like he's a worried, loving husband. So he is a good actor. But when he's with the parents, he's like, "Uh uh-huh, sounds like demons. All right, let's check this out. Oh, yeah, we're observing the Holy Trinity or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't seem like he wants to help. Just get in, do the job, get out. At least not until the later on scene where he's bonding with them yeah he seems yeah. really cold to all of them until later on after they make him pancakes <laughs> that pancake <laughs> scene it just felt a little too happy it was some hope and liberty for the family yeah yeah, yeah the superheroes are there it helps but them. right after that night <laughs> i know like, right that was a stressful night man remember the okay. superheroes keeping on with what happens that night <laughs> Lorraine walks in, looks at the family, and just kind of gives them glances like, uh, right, hello, 
lovely girls and then she walks around the house clearly seeing shit she reveals later psychic she's seeing shit but she's hella pretending as she walks around this house like nope everything's fine definitely don't see a shadow demon hovering over your daughters what lovely daughters she's just pretending like i don't see that nothing there nope nothing i didn't see nothing nothing at all so she walks around the house that's the third time we see the music box she sees the ghost boy yeah uh finally works this time yeah with a fake reflection it's not flipped properly i looked up goofs for the movie and one of them is the fact that the reflection isn't backwards ah it's clearly a shot of the hallway superimposed over the mirror (laughs) i didn't really notice that i kind of did and then i looked it up and i was right because i'm weird and i edit stuff anyway it ends with her and ed talking under the tree and he's like so what do you think honey is this place oh. haunted and like it cuts to what her point of view and there's a foot by ed's head yeah that was creepy that was such a cool shot i really liked that part i yeah. thought that was neat but then at the same time that confirms that ed had no idea that the place was actually haunted as he walked mm-hmm. through the clearly haunted place yeah really lorraine is is like the She's the brains, and Ed is the... Um... Some dude falling around. <laughs> He's just a, yeah. a fanboy. If, if he had gone there alone, he would not have known at all that anything was wrong with his family. And nope. he was a, like, he's clearly willing to go alone to try to help because yeah. his wife wants to. But yeah, he wouldn't have been able to help because at that point, he's like, is it haunted? Like, dude, look at that house. It's clearly haunted. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't see the feet behind your head? Yeah, it's haunted. Yes, it's very, <laughs> very haunted. Mm. After they decide to take the case, the Warrens go back into the kitchen, and then she explains everything she noticed about the dark entity and how she was only pretending everything was fine and how they're pretty much screwed. Right. Again, that leads me to believe that Ed really, really does not give a crap because they are terrified, and he's just like, oh, yeah, they're... There's demons. You can't really do much about that. And they're like, what if we move? And they explain, like, oh, that won't help. It's it's like stepping in gum. Well, what Lorraine does she say on? that like she saw like demons over their shoulders. So yeah. like she was like, no it's like insidious. So she's like, the house isn't I mean the house is haunted, but she's like latched onto your back. So like don't leave. See, okay. <laughs> Essentially what she says. That's right. a- that's a trope that I feel like Insidious made up because that literally is the solution to every other haunted house movie until yeah, Insidious. Yeah. They didn't Poltergeist, they just leave. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Poltergeist 2, it was attached to the daughter. So I guess Poltergeist 2 started that you can't move away thing. Uh, 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 sequels. Hold on. What did Ed say exactly? Because that's my favorite quote of the movie. The yeah. gum thing? Being haunted is like stepping in gum. You take it with you. <laughs> I I wrote that down because it's dumb and I love it. It's a good yeah. analogy. Pretty silly. Again, with the dumb like Star Trek analogies. Very much so. Do you get that reference, the Star Trek analogies? No. Mm. What are you talking about? It's a Futurama reference when they're making fun of Star Trek. I'm guessing they just talk scientifically and dumb it down for people who don't understand it. Just a layman term. Yes, uh, say something complicated and then repeat it in layman terms. I That's a Star Trek yes. analogy. I just noticed that Ed does it a lot in this movie, meaning I feel like that's how he remembers it. Again, I feel like Ed's incompetent. Anyway. Sure, uh, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. 
and Ed seems very tactless. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, you guys are you guys are pretty much screwed. You're gonna have to get a priest in here because <laughs> I can't really do it myself. I mean, I've assisted, so yeah, I can't really help you. We need to find proof, though. Something I noticed when they needed to find a proof would have been smarter for the ghost not to you know react at all. I assume that's why the ghost didn't do anything in the basement when you when they were recording. Yeah, but but later on it does do something later on. It's like unless it's the maid spirit trapped in the house trying to help the Warrens justify by, by whipping the daughter around by her hair. Yeah, maybe it maybe it wasn't the uh, um, witch. Maybe it was the ghost trying to show them that no, there's actually something here. But you know the witch is not going to do anything, so we got to do something to just show them. Oh yeah, we'll figure the witch is not that you know that dumb to actually you know, do something. The um, next bit after that, because that's a little bit ahead, but the next bit after that is them checking out the history of the house, getting ready to set up proof. Right. And that that's a significant scene because that scene of the Warren's house talking about the history of the home is when they name drop Bathsheba. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and all all of the all of the um other like the the clock stopping at three oh seven because is that's the exact when... time of death which i don't know how you would call that how do you now that reminds me of amityville right there it's a straight up amityville reference yeah yeah the whole movie's amityville okay this woman hung herself in the early 1800s and they got it exact to the minute time she time of death. hung herself they would have had to wait for some doctor to get out there when he was probably coming on like by horseback and and like hanging herself would have killed her immediately. Maybe what have been? Did they what, just assume? I don't know. Would have been. I'm not gonna act is, like any of this actually happened because it didn't. Yeah, it just it was just a guesstimate. Yeah. Again, this this goes into the writing because like as you mentioned, this part so did not happen. The real Bathsheba lived happen. until she was elderly. The other thing is the premise of the ghost wanting vengeance is the fact that they were taking her land, which contradicts what they said in the previous scene move away why would the ghost go after you if you don't live there anymore maybe because they already yeah. took it she was just like nah bitch it's mine and then they <laughs> I <know>. okay <laughs> i, I kind of cheated because i looked up goofs and continuity problems <laughs> and they start listing off all the people that died there and a lot of them don't really match up like this kid died but his parents were fine this maid <laughs> died but her employers were fine you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how come, selective, yeah. Yeah, how come some people get cursed by Bathsheba, but some people don't? Yeah, even in, uh, not, she's not a maid. The, Wait, the what, bigger what, nanny lady? The, I thought that was the mom. Who yeah, the mom. The kid. Oh, I thought that was the nanny. Not the maid. The, I know the maid was like the one who slid her wrists. Yeah, the big yellow uh, mom. Yeah, in yeah the basement. I thought that was like her nanny. The way I figure is uh, the kids died, and then the, uh, the maid and the yellow dressed woman that were possessed because they're they're the ones who killed the kids yeah then who did the maid kill um her her kid where uh wherever kid it is that doesn't get a ghost she called the family's kid she mm -hmm. killed a kid because the uh the woman with the yellow dress uh that's on um, rory's mom yeah, yeah she who did rory. the maid kill some kid they did they didn't show or mention exactly it's an inconsistency in the story. If she yeah. possesses the mother to kill the child, why was the maid killed? Because and no she, child. Oh, well, she did yeah. kill her, but they just didn't mention. That's all. Exactly. It doesn't really work within their own lore. Again, if they moved away, they'd have no reason for a vengeful spirit. Just run away. Easy. But it's going to follow them. 
and be on them like bubblegum. <laughs> okay, that scene also really, really irked me. Because of what we talked about yesterday? Yes. You seriously going to name drop the Salem witch trials as justification yeah. for her being evil? Oh, yeah. that. When, when any, like, anyone who knows anything about the Salem witch trials knows that it was a huge hoax. They, they, that town murdered dozens of completely innocent people. Yep. And that it's super not fair to um, justify allude it. back to that event and to be like, oh, yeah, they were witches. Like they said that she, Bathsheba Sherman was a descendant of Mary. Oh, I always forget her name. The first victim. Mary Estes. Yes. Mary Estes yeah, is the like, one that dude, was hung at the Salem yeah. witch trials. And that didn't happen in real life either. So that's something that the writers inserted. Yeah. I feel like movies and like, like horror movies are, we're past using the Salem witch trials as anything. I mean, I'm sure it's fine to refer back to that time as like, ooh, they were killing witches when they were really, they were killing innocent people. Yeah, you want to justify it by saying, yes, they were evil, but they were real people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were real people murdered. And mm. now you're trying to say in this movie, oh yeah, it's because they were actually evil. You see, she was a descendant. That's why she murdered her kid, which also mm. wasn't true. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Sheba did not murder mm. yeah. anyone. Yeah, they, she never murdered anyone. She wasn't related to the Salem witch trials, but then they use that as a justification. I mean, yeah, it's that weird thing of they make a villain out of witches by going, oh, yes, because she she loved Satan. Yeah, that's the go to, isn't it? That's not a thing. No, that's not yeah. what witches did. And yeah. even like even if they did, the Salem witch victims were not. Yeah, just no more people. And it's kind of upsetting to me. Like, that's one of the only things that kind of upsets me when movies do that is when they reference the Salem Witch Trials. Or every yeah. time they make the victims of a hate crime into the bad guys to justify it. They uh, yeah. did the same thing in, um, in a Scooby-Doo movie, too. Yeah. What happened in a Scooby-Doo movie? What was it? It was one of the Scooby-Doo one, the cartoon ones, where a, des oh. a, a descendant's uh, ancestor was falsified as a witch. And burn at the stake because you know she was a witch but she wasn't really but by the end of the movie oh she's actually is a witch and it was justified that she was killing yeah i i, I don't dig that whole justification for beth shiva and then later on lorraine saying very matter-of-factly yes witches gain more power from satan by murdering children oh like my gosh that was like really a little over the top it's kind of over the top and it's kind of offensive if you consider that's actually a religion now being a witch is a religion so you're saying you know what i mean like it sounds racist to me yeah yeah oh oh yeah yeah like the same way where they say all oh, muslims are terrorists yeah and all witches are satan loving child murderers yeah yep i mean you could argue the time period with the whole satanic panic thing but that doesn't make it okay in a modern movie that made that shit up because that's not even what happened in the real parent story and then actual satanic worshippers, and I really like like that if you look into it. Satanists don't actually worship the devil. No. Nope. Anyway, that that kind of tangent, long ass tangent. Well, it it's not a tangent because it's it's relevant. It it took me out of the movie immediately when they said that she's a witch. Yeah. Yeah. And calling her a witch is just kind of like, eh. was she though? It just sounds like they placing the blame on something easier like oh she's a witch yep yeah yeah specifically a salem witch mm. it was justifiable good old salem no i do kidding. feel like that the writers probably um 
threw in the, I'm not saying it's right. They probably threw in the Salem witch trials thing because it's a phrase that most Americans are familiar with. And associate that's, with witches. that's probably why it's just easier for the common yeah, audience it, to understand. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make it right, but I feel like that's why they did that. Cause they were just like, Ooh, let's, let's reach for this low hanging fruit. That's what yeah. it is. Low hanging fruit. Again, a lot of this movie is scenes taken from other movies. Yeah. Like, was that is, scene taken from another movie? No, I mean, just all like blame, have... blame the witch thing. And like, uh, yeah, this, yeah. this movie is very simply written. I mean, clearly written by horror movie fans. Yeah. It's like so much so. Like I was saying, it's like a mixtape of the greatest hits from other horror movies. Yeah. Right after that, it cuts into the montage of the paranormal investigations setting up. So them mm-hmm. setting up cameras and being a jerk, uh, them like setting up lights. I, I mean, specifically when Roger asks him, what does that do? It takes photos of paranormal stuff. Like he's kind of brushes them off. I feel like, Oh, you know what? Um, sorry. Kind of rude. Yeah. I feel like Ed's really rude to Roger until they bond later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know what cool uh, fact I learned about that little montage scene where they're setting up inside the house. What mm-hmm. the um the song that's playing sounds absolutely like a '70s song, and it's not. It came out like four years ago. Isn't it like yeah? And it's it's called it "In the like... Room Where You Sleep." Four years ago, but that movie is over ten years old. Oh, sorry. I think 2009. <laughs> so it came out. Oh, came out around the same time. Yeah, I remember hearing it's like a Ryan Gosling song. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. It's him, and it's a band called Dead Man's Bones. But the band is really just Ryan Gosling and his buddy. But mm. I was like, wow, they really, they really managed to capture that like 70s it feel. That sound like 70s. And shit. Yeah, it did sound kind of too new. Uh, I think I, uh, I we both noticed that when we watched that it. Came I, out not I, I vaguely 70s. remember, I, I remember Amber, you commented like, that doesn't sound like a familiar song. Like it sounds too new. This, this doesn't yeah, feel I like a I 70s I would have thought that song. they would have used like a, like, yeah, like a popular 70s song. Yeah, and I was and like, I've never heard this song before. That's actually why I looked it up because Amber I pointed that it out. I liked it. That same setup scene is where Lorraine notices the beach photo. So fake. Yeah. That is so, so fake. fake. It's the worst Photoshop. <laughs> I thought she was going to be like, oh, yeah, that photo. My family went to the carnival and took it in front of a backdrop. <laughs> that, that, that'd be a fine understandable like, no, we were at the beach but an actual beach <laughs> you can see the outline oh my god but you can't see the beach yeah it's just it, up at the it sky it looks so odd it, yeah. it looks very very odd and then the yeah. other thing who took the picture oh yeah you're well, they right set, they, they set the camera oh, down tripod. on the sand and pointed it up oh is that what happened it was just to me, like why would you why would you photoshop the photo because there's a scene where the actors are all together on the beach acting like the family and they're posing. Why didn't you just take a picture then? Yeah, take an actual I, picture. Real one. I noticed. Don't show me this weird photoshopped photo of everyone smiling and being all weird. I hello paused it to be like, wait a minute, let me see something. And the clouds <laughs> don't match up. So it's yeah. not a still from that scene they filmed on the beach. Yeah. It's clearly a bad picture. It's too bright. Like if it was a comedy movie, it would fit perfectly. Yeah, it's just it. The colors are very odd in that. And then that's when she goes into witch lore about how witches get more power from their love of Satan by killing their own baby. It's like, how could you kill your own child? Oh, yeah. And then she's like, she uses God's given gifts to smote him or something. 
Yeah, she Spied was him. like, she was like, it was never a baby to her. And I was like, the fuck? Okay. She was like, it, it was, was just like, like it was like it was an F you to God. Yeah. Yeah, that's essentially what Lorraine was saying. Like, did they give a reason why she did all those evil things? She worshiped Satan. Because she it? loved she literally said, I love Satan, and then hung herself. Before hanging herself. To who? Who the fuck did she say this to? Did she gather people under the tree? Like, I have an announcement. I love Satan. I'll curse well, anyone who she takes said my that life. that um her husband Judson came home and found her sacrificing the baby in the fire. And chased and, and then and then she like ran out and was like, I love Satan, y'all. And then hey. hung herself. Super Deuces. high branch. P.S. There must have been I'm cursing a... whoever takes my land, even though my husband's still alive. Yeah. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. She must have climbed a great height that that branch that she hung herself from super high up well they do establish skills they do establish her climbing skills because she gets on top of that wardrobe (laughs) right after that i wrote down groovy uv by drewy oh goodness that what drew's their assistant oh okay and he's showing off his groovy uv light to the teenage daughter who he's clearly hitting on far out (laughs) Yeah, wow. it's like it's far out. Far like, out, oh my god! It's really groovy. Those are the in case old... you didn't know it was the seventies. <laughs> no kidding. That's Henry the only... worst. How do you feel the period is represented in this movie? Do you feel like it's a fair? Yeah, that's clearly the seventies. Or does I it feel know. forced? I, I most I'm mostly just going off of the fact that I know that this took place in the seventies. I mean, it's... it doesn't guess... feel too modern. Yeah, like I guess pff, the dad's hair. The hair, the clothing, <laughs> the, uh, always the, the couch, yeah, the furniture. Oh, and they had no TV. I think they did. They had static. Oh man, uh, I another tangent, but it made me laugh. I started e- watching Mystery Science Theater ever since I talked to you on the last podcast. Whenever I have to like do dishes or like like chores, <laughs> and when it cuts to the static TV in this movie, for a split second, I thought I put on the wrong thing. <laughs> because <laughs> i was like oh what oh shit nope you know uh, they did an mst3k episode of boggy creek too i watched it that's what i was trying to tell you last night i watched it the other day okay that movie hates women <laughs> it does that movie's super misogynistic was the bigfoot a woman in that <laughs> dude you're far i was talking about like when they go with the girls and the guy is like just super hostile and antagonistic to the women for being women yeah, anyway. that happens a lot in that movie. Yeah, but, and then there's a mud wrestling scene. So you know, oh, that's have, right, there is that. a mud wrestling scene. Yeah, out of fucking nowhere, they're trying to move the. Co- you know what? I'm not going to talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the Next, thing. we're going so far into another movie. It is another '70s movie, and I've been it watching is. a lot of '70s movies, and this movie doesn't feel '70s-ish to me. Yeah, it feels like a movie in the in the new millennium that is a, that's trying to take place in the 70s and 70s. their closest effort is groovy yeah, far yeah, out gro- groovy groovy and, and i think the worst part is both actors sound like they're saying very awkward slang when yeah. to those characters it should be a normal slang groovy and he's like 27 28 hitting on his shooting his sh- shooting a shot shooting his shot okay yeah I was like, what does that mean? You know, hitting on you, hitting on him, yeah. trying. Yeah. yeah. Shooting I a shot. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't familiar with that slang. Anyway, oh, it's, it's, it's recent. It's, it's recent. Yeah. Right after that. And <laughs> I wrote this down because <laughs> I like writing down the stupid shit I see in movies. Ed kneels down 
and unrolls like a little trundle bag of crucifixes and crosses and then he takes out a vial of clear liquid from this bundle of crucifixes and sets it on the table and roger goes huh what's in the vial holy water yeah what else would be in the vial roger it's a bundle of crosses and then he's like i guess they really have to spell it out for the audience yeah oh that's right because people are stupid why is he throwing perfume at the demon? Anyway, he sets uh. up a bunch of crucifixes around the house to piss off the, the ghost, demon, witch lady. And Roger's like, so it's like waving a cross at a vampire? And Ed's <laughs> like, well, I don't believe in vampires. They should make the werewolf movie. Yeah, that would be fun. Not even that. In Annabelle, whatever number it is, <laughs> he has silver bullets. So at that point... The werewolf story has taken place. Oh, okay. So again, that, that means it's creation. I mean, no, um, come home. Yes. Never- Annabelle comes home, takes place a little bit after the conjuring or before. I don't really remember. The point is he's dealt with werewolves. He's dealt with werewolves. He believes in werewolves. He believes in witches. He believes in demons. He believes in ghosts. But he vampires be- is too far. He should just be prepared for anything now. No kidding. Garlic, several bullets, a Bible, the Quran, the Buddhist temple, whatever talisman. Just prepare like for anything. Benny and the <laughs> mummy and shit. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> you know what I mean, though, right? Like, why would you not believe you? You've literally fought a werewolf, and you don't believe in vampires. Exactly. I think, like, if you understand the context of the fact that they've fought a werewolf, and he now believes, like that, that seems like a nonsense line. But to everyone else who's seen The Conjuring. Has no idea. Like, they have no reason to, to to know that he has worked with, like, werewolves and shit. I'm picking at it because I'm very familiar with the Warren cases. Sure. But the, but the average viewer is not. No. <laughs> it's I, not you. <laughs> no what? offense. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But still, <laughs> it sounds like nonsense coming from a dude prepared to fight a witch. Yeah, yeah I think once... I think if, if one thing exists, then they all exist. Like, if, I, if it turned out that, like vampire or no if it turned out that werewolves are real then i would be like oh shit then everything else is too yeah <laughs> or it's whatever monster is real in that universe that too that could be possible too okay they go into the basement for their ghost hunter scene cool scene yeah. yay like- finally i liked the ghost hunter scene but did you notice the camera change no yep. yeah. oh i forgot they introduced the cop dude roger no, Brad, so goes no. In the I think his name is Brad. Brad, the, the cop the dude, Brad. right? The Brad, the cop dude shows up to help set up the investigation. No explanation for why they have a cop there. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why he had to be. Was he supposed to be extra muscle or something? Is it because of what happened in their previous exorcism that they fucked up and got two people killed? But that was somewhere completely different, unrelated to the Perone case. There's no explanation for why the cop is even there. Does the Catholic Church know that they're there at the house? They do, but at the same time, they're like a third party. The The Catholic Church won't be involved until they bring proof, and that's what yeah. they're there yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why the cop is there. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming there was like a one-off line that I just glossed over. I, yeah, there's a cop there. The only line is Ed thanking him for coming to help. And yeah. the, he introduces himself to them. So it's not like they worked with him before. What if yeah. he was just there so they have a shotgun to act, you know. Shotgun. Yeah. Um, that's all. Just to have the shotgun so the witch could use it to kill one of them. 
I think he was put in the movie so that he and the assistant can flirt like the two dudes from Insidious. Oh, <laughs> and be the also, audience. Also, they do they do make like a they do make a point of um, saying that he's like a complete skeptic that he doesn't believe. Like when he and Roger, sorry, what's Bruce Lee's? I'm sorry, what's his name? Drew, <laughs> racist. Drew? Uh, okay, Bruce. I'm sorry. Come on, look at his hair. Um, every, yeah every interaction they have is basically drew saying oh you don't believe in ghosts is like oh did did a ghost shut that door blah, 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 all, all that stuff like I, that's like their main dynamic is drew i mean brad doesn't know how to brad didn't know what a uv light was yeah and then drew he's does a, i feel like cop. the whole dynamic what is kind of the cop, cop doesn't is, know what a uv light is yeah i'm from the 70s uh, with a bad mustache yeah so this is probably a nitpick or something but did it bother anyone that Drew had like a giant pair of scissors to cut his nails. <laughs> what? He was also cutting the film strips or the audio strips with it. That yeah, but true. he was just he's cutting his nails with a giant. Yeah, scissors? the one that the witch tr- used to try to kill his the daughter later on. It, um, Drew uh, had that pair. He, and was, he was using. Oh. Yeah, he was using to cut his nails. Well, they set oh, up oh, that oh, he's using unsafe. it to cut the tape for the audio recording, and he also is using it for his nails later when he's just messing around. When they go to the camp, he grabs Brad grabs the camera, follows them into the basement. The camera changes lenses. It to me, it's totally jarring. It's obviously a different camera, but they enact an episode of Ghost Hunters in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Where Ed's trying to piss off the ghost by throwing holy yeah. water and yelling at it, <laughs> and pointing a boom mic at shit. And Lorraine has her like psychic episode. Yeah, uh, she's like bent over and like she's like doubled over in pain. She's like exp- like she's experiencing something. I, I thought house. she was puking. So did I. <laughs> mm, trying to puke, maybe. But if you pay attention, that's the same camera. I mean, like, ignore the frame. That's the yeah. same camera that's filming every time they go down to the basement, down the stairs. Yeah. So you think that's intentional? I think that's the only camera that could fit down that hallway. So they have to use it for over-the-shoulder shots down the stairs. Because when Roger goes down the stairs in the end, at the beginning of the movie, that's the same camera lens. Oh, so it's not because oh, it's just different environment, a haunted environment, so the camera changes. That's just because they didn't have a big enough camera, a small enough camera. That's what it feels like because I noticed the quality change. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. the same exact camera that they use for that scene when it's a POV of Brad going down the stairs following the Warrens. Well, now here's the question: Do you think the common audience would notice that? Probably not. Then, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> The Conjuring is a good movie, but it's just for the common po- person. That's true, and I'll get into that for our ratings. Okay. Um, I right. do want to mention one thing before I forget. You don't need scissors to kill a little kid. You could just choke him or, you know, anything. How sure. do you know? Because kids die easy. Yeah. They're, they're squishy. Brad and Drew have that conversation where well, it's like you were saying they have a back and forth where he proves he's a skeptic by it turning 308 and the clock's not stopping. Amityville. Yes, yeah. Amityville. So everything's fine as long as the Warrens are there. Yeah. Superheroes. Superheroes. Pancakes. Pancakes. Okay. The pancake scene was overly happy. Brad chimes in like he's a member of the family. Like, I'm going off to work. Weird. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn is eating cantaloupe and talking about how safe they all feel with the Warrens there. Yeah, again, after a horrible night. 
I know it, it, it makes saviors of the Warren fan, like yeah. Ed and Lorraine, like they're overtly helpful. The whole and franchise has, that's all it's really done. They're the heroes, um, the stars of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, I, I don't know. I, I find Ed kind of off-putting, especially when like Roger comes home and Ed's fixing his car. I know, oh, right? yeah. Why? Why is that off-putting? Well, it's it's again, it's like a project car. You're going to fix some dude's car. Like, obviously, I'm repeating the story, but my dad's a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point I was sending you up, Lex. OK, my dad's a mechanic, and I know a lot of people who fix project cars. If he came home and some random dude was fixing their car and was like, you mind passing me a wrench, buddy? <laughs> You made him an assistant fixing his own car? That's rude. <laughs> Hella rude. And then he's like, I hope you don't mind. Like, I guess not. You guys are helping. Yeah. And then they bond over fixing Roger's car. Mm. Yeah. And then also Ed is like confiding in him what happened during the failed exorcism. Yeah. Yeah. Where Lorraine was traumatized. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. uh, from there, it shows Lorraine doing laundry, which, again, I think is really creepy that you're doing a strange. Like, why laundry. are you doing chores? She's she's a saint. That's the purpose. They're superheroes. Uh, saint Lorraine, whatever, doing laundry. And then saint Lorraine, they have that cool sheet scene, which, again, mm-hmm. I did. I didn't watch the trailer. So to me, it was just an awesome. Yeah, they spoil in the trailers so much in the trailers. Yeah, the CG sheet. Flies into the window, and then you see Bathsheba in the window. Get the money yeah. shots in. Yeah. It is then, a cool scene. Yes. And then that leads to Carolyn waking up gasping to floating Bathsheba puking in her throat. Yeah. Possession. Possessing. Yeah. Again, I feel like that's a modern thing with possession movies. Yeah. They, I mean, it certainly it. didn't happen back when possession movies were getting their start, like in the 70s. It that was, was not more, a thing. It's yeah. more modern now. Because they did an Annabelle creation. I think it's because yeah, they did. and they did it in Annabelle Comes Home. God, it's a lot of puking in mouths. <laughs> yeah. That's disgusting. I wonder if it's a James Ugh. Wan thing that caught on, or if it's from another movie and he was copying it. You I said, don't know. You said before Culture that guys. they did it and dragged me to hell. I don't think that was that wasn't a possession though. That was no, like gross. She, it was just vomiting. Oh, yeah. okay. Evil Dead, the remake. Mm. Oh yeah, the what, Evil Dead remake did it. What about Poltergeist? No vomit. No vomit. Just no. normal possession. Oh, oh that I, one that, that one scene where the guy's taking out his skin other than I, that no vomit. I think that a lot of modern movies, I think they're specifically made for modern audiences that don't understand subtlety. It's like you were saying before, where like you have to hit it over the nose for the audience to understand. It's not good enough to be like, oh yeah. Because this thing will happen because of this, you have to flat out show it and say yeah. it and yeah. say it and explain yeah, it. Yeah, there's no subtlety. It's subtle. not good enough to be like, yes, and now she's possessed. It's like, no, there's literally you could see the ghost entering her via vomit. Same, yeah, same way where <sighs> when the uh, Ed had the uh, vial of holy water, and then Roger asked, "What is that?" Okay, vomit possession. After the mom finally gets possessed, she's like, "Oh, I, I gotta go. I hear Roger coming." And then, I, okay, Roger left with the family. Yes. While Ed and Lorraine took care of chores, and the mom took a nap, Andrew leaves Andrew. to get ice cream <laughs> with them. And she would have shot again. Yeah, that's true. He was flirting with the daughter again, who's yeah. underage. But anyway, that's when Roger and them come home. And Carolyn's like, I hear them coming. Like, no, you didn't. She's clearly yeah. lying. Regardless, she was vomiting. 
I mean, she's already suspicious. Why Why are you guys letting her be free? Yeah. Tie her up now. Especially You're Lorraine. a psychic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, honestly, she, I put all she, I put all that on Lorraine. Lorraine should have discussed what was going on because at that point, Roger's coming home with the girls. They have ice cream. He has she, no idea anything happened while he was gone. She has it's, the ability. She should be able to see it. She did see something happen. And like yeah. Carolyn kind of dismisses it like, oh, I just woke up and I felt sick. Okay, let's talk about the fact that you have an iron deficiency. You're currently being possessed, and now you're vomiting. Regardless mm-hmm. if you were possessed, you were vomiting. That wasn't nothing. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, at it's least, an interesting. Like, po- like, at least point take of the, the movie to have Lorraine ignore that. Exactly. That night, and this is the page that I skipped. That's when the cop sees the maid. Oh, who's yeah. Like, yeah. Look what she made me do, and then we get that sixth sense like jump scare of her cutting the corner and then popping out and like look at me yeah and that's i think that's when brad believes at that point yeah. 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 he's like okay fine i'm scared i saw something there's yeah. somebody yeah. here and then yeah. I oh, yeah, immediately immediately after that they see cindy walking again she's sleepwalking again yes cindy's yeah. sleepwalking and had banning well mm-hmm. before that ed points out She's not setting off the cameras. It's something following her that's setting off the cameras, meaning yeah. they could walk through and it won't disturb the equipment. But none of them follow her. Yeah, they just let her walk. They try to see where she goes. And it's like, to the why would they wardrobe? do that? Well, you know where she goes. She goes to her sister's room every time she sleepwalks. Mm. And then when she goes in there, the door slams and they run in and they can't find her. Yeah. Wouldn't you look in the wardrobe where she'd been running into this whole time? They look straight under the bed and then they don't look in the wardrobe and that bugs yeah. the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. And then they need a special black light that they set up earlier to follow her footprints <sighs> to where she had been sleepwalking the whole movie. Yeah. And the cop says, what is that? J- just oh, to further it. show us that Brad has no idea what the fuck he's doing. It's probably yeah. not even a cop. <laughs> it's like, us, Drew. <laughs> probably just a volunteer. Again, rule of um, thirds. That is the third sleepwalking bit in the movie. It mm-hmm. is, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. when they discover the secret room where Rory hides when he's scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the me, helpful ghost. The helpful, the other helpful ghost, right? Yeah. All the uh, ghosts are helpful. All the ghosts but one are helpful. I, I think that's one of the reasons I can't get into a lot of haunted house movies. It's not scary to me when only one of them is a jerk. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it didn't seem too scary to me either because I'm like, okay, there's only one really bad ghost in this. Yeah. I mean, every ghost they see in the movie is trying to warn them, but Bathsheba. Obvious reasons. Yeah. But I don't know. Rory seems to be pretty helpful because he literally says, this is a safe place. This is where I go to hide from her. That makes sense. Another note I wrote down is that is the worst CGI in the entire movie. What? Oh, my gosh. Which one? Their breath in that scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> their mean, what... white, cold breath in that scene is the worst CGI in the whole movie. I, didn't I mean, notice. they did a lot of stuff in post to try to, I guess, spice it up. I that's the most jarring one of all of the CGI in the movie to me. Lower transparency, I'm guessing. And it doesn't really track to their mouth movements. Yeah. It's I just, mean, it's fine for an average person. They wouldn't really notice it. I, the they? average person wouldn't, but it's just a matter of clearly they put their budget in other really cool shots. Like the sheet scene was pretty dope. Yeah. And they just kind of photoshopped breath over them talking. Yeah. 
it, it kind of sticks out really badly to me. But that's just me nitpicking. From there, Lorraine goes into the closet and she needs the music box. She needs the music box to show that the big hexagon shape matches for some reason. Yeah. 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 Rory's little hiding place. And then and she, she falls. <laughs> <laughs> after finding the noose, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but Amber, I remember you pointing out the, she just puts her hands in a giant spider web like it's nothing. Yeah, Ugh. like, oh, I'm just going to put my hand through here. I'm like, ew, just, what are you doing? You're, yeah. holding, you're holding a flashlight. Yeah, I would at least bat it away with something yeah. else, what like, was a, sick. What if it was a poisonous spider? It could have killed you. Uh, this ain't so dusty. I'm sure they're all dead. Uh, I guess, but that was still kind of gross. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. she falls through the floor. And survives. Not yeah, even survives. Two stories down. Three stories. She goes into the basement. Oh, that's right. She, goes she does. Basement. And yeah. is is not harmed at all. And she 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 falls feet first through a hole and then lands on her face. Yeah. Uh, props to the stunt woman. Dude, I didn't mention it earlier, but that stunt woman in this movie is amazing. Cause that fall down the stairs during the clap game looked yeah. solid. Oh. Yeah, I'm like, man, ow. Mm. And then the act or the stunt of her falling through the walls, you know, they just dropped the stunt woman down a, a little hallway they built. Much yeah. easier. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, mad props to the stunt woman in this movie. Gotta get a worse to them. Because, damn, that looked like a solid land on her face. No, Thanks. no, Matt. Well, maybe she's padded up. Probably got the chest protector. I've been watching a lot of stuntman videos and. Damn, that was a solid hit. Yeah. That's when Lorraine uses the music box, which also didn't break, to communicate with the fat yellow mom ghost. Yeah. Again, I wasn't scared because the mom was saying, look what she made me do. And she's crying. And then the, the yellow ghost immediately warns her. Well, yeah, I, I guess just from looking at it, it looks scary. But if you actually think about it logically, you're like, nah. She's trying to tell me something. Yeah. It's that yeah. best she was a jerk. I okay. I loved how the feet hanging down that was creepy. Slowly uh -huh. turned to face her. I thought that was dope. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then she immediately runs out and starts yelling at Carolyn like she possesses the mom to murder the child. Yeah. <laughs> and then she she repeats that line a few times and it's so long and she always says it really fast. Well, because <laughs> it's long. Yeah. It's a mouthful. Um, I made note of she leaves her locket behind in the basement. Well, oh, it protected yeah. her. Yeah, her protective locket gets left in the basement. That's what I'm assuming because they had a lot of shots of the locket throughout. Does the she movie. ever? Does she ever get it back at all? She does. I don't remember. Huh. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, I don't want to uh, jump to the end, but. She... Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Literally, the end of the movie, she gets the locket back. Yeah, April gives it back to her right anyway, at that moment. Sorry. All of the crucifix fixes in the room fall over. Yeah. Right. Apparently, and then one of the daughters gets taken for a freaking ride by her hair. Yes. <laughs> I oh love God. that scene. Again, I watched the behind the scenes and they had stunt women off camera strapped to like pulleys and they pulled like one to the other and they just like had three different stunt women pulled in different directions. Oh, that's, that's cool. interesting. And so like whenever, whenever one of them would go behind a wall, then another one would be pulled. Yeah, so I mean, oh, that's really cool. 
Yeah. That's also honestly the safest way to do it. I thought they were just dragging one stunt woman around the room. That's like, uh, that's super dangerous. Yeah, it was it was really cool, especially because from what I was reading, they used very little CGI in this movie. And that's just the CGI on the hair, but they really just whipped stunt women around the room. Like that one goes from a standing Um, position to a backwards fly into the window. And then she drops off camera, and then the second stunt woman gets whipped across the room. <laughs> yeah. And then she trades places with the other stunt woman behind the table and gets whipped in the other direction. I'm like, this are is- those scissors that Lorraine uses to cut the hair? Are those the same scissors? Yes. Yeah. So is that ones. another rule of three again? Yes. The third time <laughs> she has it to kill oh. as a murder weapon. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Lots I, of grease. I, again, the foreshadowing in this movie is amazing. Rule of three. Rule of threes. Three, three, three. I love how Brad. Uh, I keep confusing them. I love how Andrew oh. is constantly flirting with the daughter, and the minute she's being thrown around by her hair, he's like, "Oh, gotta get this on film." Okay, I, I don't. I mean, I know he has to. I don't think that's Andrea, dude. Are you sure? I'm pretty. My notes say Nancy. I didn't think so. I thought three, it was the biggest one. Three uh-huh. daughters, much easier. Yeah, nah, I, I feel like it's important that all five of them were involved somehow. I do think it was Nancy, though, getting dragged by her hair, though. I got to double check. <laughs> but anywho. Anywho. So the heat, like Roger, rightfully so, takes everybody to a motel, even though Lorraine made it a point that you're haunted no matter what. Yeah. Even though it's supposed like, to be that specific property. Chewing gum. Yeah. Well, by then she's already inside of her, which means that if they had left when Roger suggested it in the first place, she wouldn't have had the chewing gum. No. And I still, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I, we talked about this, but I, I'm super out of character for Lorraine to not bring up how weird that was. The she didn't bring that up bit? at all. No, yeah. she didn't. She, she didn't. didn't at all. And like Roger, Roger and the kids, they all came back from ice cream. They had no idea anything happened while they were gone. Meanwhile, yeah. Lorraine was like, oh, yeah, I saw the ghost in your room while your wife was sleeping. And by the way, your wife puked and acted super weird. She didn't yeah. say any of that. Also, they were talking about how possessions work. They know that Carolyn's the only one being bruised and abused. Why wouldn't you suspect that she's about to be possessed? Regardless yeah. of the fact that, oh, she she also murders the child. She's clearly trying to possess the mom. Yeah. It yeah. was a mistake to leave her alone. Just Even if you thought everything was okay. Especially yeah. with the children alone. Yeah. After that bit, they got their proof they need, so they decide, oh, we need to go get this proof to the priest. Yay. So they can, like, approve the exorcism. And sure. that's when they show the fact that the priest and the church absolutely does not want to help them. I know, right? <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. They're like, oh, well, they're not a member of our church. They're not... <laughs> they're not even baptized. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they weren't good enough for the premium membership. Whatever. Uh, so yeah. was the video proof enough? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. no, no. They're still deciding. Oh, that's right. That is around the time they see the giant koi fish. Oh. Yes, it's a giant koi fish uh, with the locket, of course. Yeah. Gotta get that locket shot. Fish lady. I don't know why they made Judy float by. That didn't make any sense. I, know I guess they're... to use it as a scare tactic to that's try... What? Making her like, oh, no, I'm rushing for my kid. Screw these kids. That's what I thought. I guess, but why make her look like a koi? Maybe like a corpse? A a corpse floating by? A golden floating corpse. (laughs) Yeah. But then immediately after that, you get a scene with Judy being terrified of 
the trophy room and all that other stuff. Like she's pulled out of bed. Yeah, the, Annabelle. The, oh yeah, with Annabelle and the the Annabelle's out of her case and the trophy room's unlocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, wide open. And then she gets cornered by the shadows into the office where Annabelle's sitting with Bathsheba. Yeah, yeah. Then Annabelle turns around slowly. Again, how is that happening if ghosts aren't strong enough to manipulate the vessels? And yeah, that would require Ed to know what he was talking about. Yeah, exactly. Because at the same time, Bathsheba doesn't turn Annabelle's head around. Right. It's on his own. Someone else turns Annabelle's head around. Anyway, just saying. That's the same bit uh, where the grandma. Grandma. If you look and like pay close attention, the Nana isn't moving her lips when she says Judy and one of the close-ups as she's waking up she's also screaming when she's banging on the door but then her mouth isn't moving like the <laughs> the actress wasn't screaming but they <laughs> ADR'd in somebody screaming i guess to make it more what's the word tense I, again we we're talking about it earlier i feel like there's a lot of random ADR in this movie yeah definitely it goes along with that whole you have to hold the audience's hand these days like you got to flat out say she's also searching for Judy as she gets up. Yeah. yeah. The Warrens come home and Bethu- what the hell's the Bathsheba, Bathsheba throws a chair at Ed as she comforts her abandoned daughter. Okay. I forgot to mention this earlier because it was bugging me when we were watching it, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Ed and Lorraine Warren are depicted as like superheroes who are willing to drop everything to protect strangers families. Yeah. yeah. There's even a scene where Ed and Lorraine are like, oh, I like this, settling down with our family and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, their daughter misses them. She misses yeah. them so much that she has a locket with their photos so that she could see them always because they're constantly away from work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She even straight up tells Lorraine, she's like, I miss you and daddy. I was like, yeah, they're fucking working all the time. We, it's like, I miss- it's okay. It's not like they went away to the war. But you never see them anyway, and they never see their own daughter. I feel like she's totally neglected. You leave your daughter home with her Nana in a literally haunted house. One of the movies in the Conjuring universe takes place entirely with Judy being watched by two babysitters. Exactly. <laughs> she's uh, like, pretty and then the rainer in the first three minutes with like, fucking peace out, Judy. Have that's fun why haunted. I, that's why I feel like that movie feels like a Goosebumps movie or like a teen ghost movie because it ends. The babysitters have to fix everything before the homeowners come home and realize they fucked up. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because wow. yeah, one of the babysitters goes into the room and then fucking leaves it open or something. And, and then like yeah. all hell breaks loose and it's up yeah. to them to put Annabelle back before oh the gosh. Warrens come home and they lose their deposit or something. I don't know. The it feels like a teen. Yeah. Like, yeah horror movie yeah yeah like targeted towards like teens and younger she's slappy yeah she's slappy (laughs) annabelle becomes slappy in that movie pretty much again i actually really really enjoyed that movie i think that's my favorite one yeah (laughs) Uh i mean it's cheesy as hell but that's i think that's my favorite one do they get a phone call so okay i think roger i don't know who calls them i don't know who um i think roger and I'm sorry, Roger and Brad go somewhere and they come back to the hotel and find out that Carolyn took Christine and April back to the house. And then that's and then it's it's the it's the Warrens who get a call. Right. But I have, oh, I right, have right. I, for some reason I cannot recall 
okay. how how they called them. I have no idea how they called. It's not like they had a car phone. It's the 70s. Yeah. Who called? <laughs> did did the so, girls call? Did Roger call before going after her? Someone called maybe, someone. Maybe he called them oh. from the hotel phone. Maybe they called oh. Brad because he's a cop. Maybe. And yeah. Brad why can Why can none of us remember what happened in this one scene? I, I do. <laughs> I wrote this part down. We just I know, watched this. <laughs> I know that the Warrens received a phone call because I wrote down, this is the worst line read and acting of the entire movie. <laughs> because Ed answers the phone and says, oh, Carolyn took two of the kids and went back to the house. And Lorraine very quickly goes, she possesses the mom to murder the kids. We have to get over there now. Like, it's so fast and flat. And he's like, no, I'm going alone. You stay here. She goes, you think I'm gonna let you do this alone? Uh, yeah. I'm like, what? Also, our daughter was just attacked by a ghost. Fuck same the ghosts. The same ghosts. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. Or Ed, Ed can handle it. Lorraine can stay. Even no, though Lorraine can... is the one who solves the whole thing. That line read, just acting wise. It just felt kind of forced and not too natural. And they're like trying to bring a wraparound point. Like, do you know why we're here together? And she says that line about God brought us together for a reason again. Yeah. I, I feel like every time Lorraine has a monologue in this movie, it's the most over-the-top cheesy writing I've ever heard. Yeah. It is. It does sound pretty cheesy. Like, I want to groan every time she says something exactly. like her thing about the beach or how God brought us together. Everything she says sounds unnatural. For the yeah. audience. They're written better in the sequels, but mm. the movies aren't as good. After that, they show the Warrens riding up with Brad in the cop car to the yeah. house. <laughs> right. And I love this scene because Brad is a total believer by that point because Ed is banging on the door and Lorraine is banging on the window and Brad goes, shotgun, boom, blasts the door open. It's like, I got this. Fuck it. I ain't waiting. <laughs> yeah. That was a time crisis reference if you didn't. Anyway. No. <laughs> I like that game. Shotgun. Is it just me or does this like movie, especially when they're in a the basement, feel like a video game it totally feels like a video game to me like a video like game? one of those uh like a cut shooter or like a first person shooter like house of the dead yeah especially with the blue lighting and the green lighting as they're going through the house and like and you got a flashlight flashlight yeah. cam on a shotgun it feels like a railgun shooter from like the the late 90s early 2000s at least yeah. to me actually that's a good one it did remind me of house of the dead specifically that game it's the colors it, it's the yeah. color scheme and the shotgun Ro roaming around at high speed so they run down the stairs they see carolyn holding the scissors april standing <laughs> the no around clippers yeah april no standing clippers, around yeah. dumbfounded roger and drew are holding her back ed and brad and lorraine run down to try to help i don't know what the extra daughter was the one that could act well i forgot her name christine Christine. I don't know yeah, what Christine she, is doing in that scene, but April's freaked out, backed against the wall. Who Who is it that's trying to stop her from stabbing her? Roger it's Drew, and right? Drew. Drew and yeah. Okay. Roger and Drew are trying to stop her from stabbing her. Yeah. I don't see Christine until they decide to run away. Yeah. yeah. She runs in the, the car. car. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh god. In that scene, he tells Drew, "Take the kids and get out of here." He runs up the stairs, puts Christine in the car. Where's April? <laughs> doesn't look back in the room where you left her yeah. nope but then he leaves april in the car and he's like don't worry i'll be back and then he never comes back for her yeah i know right like you're on your own and yeah. then 
in that same bit, he's looking for April. Again, he doesn't look in the room where he last saw her. Because mm. obviously, he probably didn't want to go into the basement. Right. Is that when the crows started, like, getting oh, in the window? Yeah. Yeah, yes. that's when all the birds start, like, By the way, that happened running into to me house. today. Oh, what yeah. Happened? A bird just hit the window. I'm like, ah, yes, a conjuring. Was it a crow? It makes the most insane sound when it happens, too. It's yeah. so fucking loud. Uh, I'm like, oh crap! Someone trying to break in. Nah, it's just a bird yeah. hitting the <laughs> it's like, door. Oh, poor bird. Yeah, careful! It's not a crow. They hold grudges. Oh, <laughs> I grudge like with crows. me? You're the one who ran into my house. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a crow. It's not gonna you know take crows that. are really smart. They're hella yes, they smart. But again, I wrote this down. Andrew hears Christine screaming. He sees these birds smashing into the house and swarming it. Yeah. And he doesn't check on her when a bird smashes through the window of, of the yeah, car. She's like, yeah. she's, she's, just, she's just screaming. Andrew's like, I gotta find April. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, just it, stay there. It shows him glance out the front door to the cars, like, okay, but, but she doesn't make any other noises. And yeah. they don't show her again until the very, very end. So, like, did the bird knock her out? Because she's not screaming anymore either. Maybe it's just a miss part of that ADR that should have been added. Like she should have yeah. still been screaming or like yeah. they should have ADR'd her voice going, I'm okay, find April. <laughs> and then he hears April's voice coming from the floorboards, you know, the basement. Yeah. And decides to smash through the floor instead of go into the basement. Ah, yeah. why would well, they're busy? The they're basement. busy doing some exorcism shit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm just breaking, yeah. get her out. And now um, to the exorcist. I which wrote never this. happened, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he says, We got to get her to the church to be exorcised. They say, Oh, she can't leave the house now. She's too possessed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they try they try to bring her out, and then her skin starts like burning. Yeah. And then, and then the ghost drags her back down to the basement. To which. Roger logically goes, you're not a priest. He goes, I know, but I got this. And Lorraine's yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's too, like, it's, it, they'll take too long. Why you didn't do this earlier? Exactly. Like, you got a better idea? Well, no, <laughs> but you told me that only a priest could do it. Lorraine's like, okay, it's fine. Blast for me. You got this. Yeah. And this exorcism was so funny and annoying to me at the same time. Because... He whips her with holy water. She screams. He drops it. Keep using that shit. He reads a passage. Bathsheba freaks out. He stops reading. Keep reading. And then he reads again. She like convulses and then he stops reading. Like this is the worst exorcism. Dude, keep reading. Maybe he's in awe. He's like, wow, is this actually working? (laughs) I got the gift. I'm doing it. (laughs) Yeah, and her, her chair like levitates i'm assuming this is what andrea's okay building it is a cool scene yeah yeah building up to that though she bites a chunk out of brad cop's face face, and then he puts a shotgun down and they throw a sheet over her i thought that was a really cool touch throwing the sheet over her put a blanket over it because rather than see it you're just imagining it and then she's like coughing up blood i thought that was oh yeah 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 more more effective and then when they tear the sheet open and it's Bathsheba's face instead, mm-hmm. dug it. I thought that was awesome. Dug it? I liked it. I could dig it. That's dig ass. it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> now her chair floats. I feel like they had a stunt woman on a stick and really just <laughs> like picked her up, erased the shadows, 
slammed her into the ceiling, erased the shadows, flipped the chair Sounds over. Sounds like an odd dessert when you say it like that. And then, <laughs> the shadows? And then just uh, dropped oh. her. And then, like, I feel like it was a real stunt woman being dropped from the ceiling. Yeah. When you say stunt woman on his stick. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then Roger finally is like, fuck this. Leave my wife alone, you dick. And Bathsheba's like, she's already gone, man. <laughs> Which I guess this is just another way of Bathsheba toying with him. Just Because yeah. clearly she was not gone. Yeah. There. I mean, I, I enjoyed but I'm sure, it. I'm sure Bathsheba was like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> it wasn't a dark enough line from Bathsheba. Like that's the first time, and I think that's the only time you hear Bathsheba talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the like the character itself, and that's the line. It's not very impactful, and if I didn't write it down, I probably would have forgotten it. But it just seems kind of flat. Like okay, prove like, it to she's me. She's already gone, and you're all gonna die. Okay, the buildup was scarier than your actual. I am your wife. You t- that would have been better. Okay. <laughs> Especially yeah. if they played up the whole caressing and like petting thing that yeah. happened in the real yeah. story. Yeah, they basically cut Roger out of everything. Nothing happened. He doesn't to him. do anything. They yeah. took him out of the story. Yeah, no hauntings really happened to him. The movie would have been the same if if um the mother was just you know a widow. Exactly. That's why I, I didn't understand Roger's place in the movie. He's just there to be the dad. Yeah. For some reason, like. The shotgun goes off, so they dodge the bullet, and Roger's yelling at her, and none of them pay attention to the fact that she's not tied up anymore. Yeah. I know, right? They're just, yeah. just like, oh, let's leave her alone. Because the chair breaks or whatever. And this kind of bugged me that he kept switching from Latin to English, but it was still working, so then why read it in Latin? I guess it's slightly more powerful. It's the power of faith. Faith in Latin and dead languages that Jesus didn't even speak, but whatever. I wrote this down because it made me laugh. Because as soon as he smashes the floor open, Andrew goes, I found April. Or she's in the basement by the kitchen. And Bathsheba looks like, oh shit, that's where she is? Grabs the scissors and then runs towards her. Yeah. And he announces it to absolutely no one. He doesn't need to tell anyone that. Yeah, He's the only one that's supposed to be looking for April. Who is he announcing that to? But Sheba, that's why. <laughs> like, look, everybody, I found a target. But that's that's the thing. Isn't Bashiba like possessing, you know, haunting the house? So sh- soon as soon as she see be able to see the whole house, like where she's at? No, because by but, then she's in the mom and Rory yeah, is able then, to hide from her. Oh, okay. That's that the me. other yeah. thing. I thought she was gonna end up in the crawl space with Rory where Rory likes to hide. Yeah. yeah. Not in a completely new Hidden passage. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's where Lorraine landed. Right. Yeah, she crawls I, up. She crawls up from where Lorraine landed, and then she finds that weird area underneath the dining room. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like logically they set up a hiding spot for Rory where she goes yeah. to be safe, and April knows where to hide to be yeah. safe, and then they ha- hide her somewhere completely random. No point. Like they should have put the hiding place in the basement. So that it would make sense for her to be there at that moment. Should have put her in a cop car. That too. Um, (laughs) And just forget about her. Yeah. So she gets cornered. She's about to stab the girl. Ed starts yelling. Ed yells her name and she looks like, oh shit, my name. Which is consistent to demon movies. And then they start pep talking her. 
like you got to fight her from inside and lorraine lorraine is like an angel reaching down from the hole in the ceiling yep. shining her light down upon her <laughs> going <Saint> lorraine <laughs> <laughs> going, you love your Pat- child. Picture you the love- ocean. Oh, yeah. She reminds her of the picture, which I thought was very heavy. The fake picture. Like, heavy, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, for God's uh, sake. It's so cheesy. Like, you know what? She's Lorraine. She's literally being rained down yeah. with light. And yeah. she re- yeah. remembered from, from the place where Lorraine's head is. Like the light is coming from the area where Lorraine's head is coming from the fucking hole in the ground. Just yeah, just hammer yeah. it down just to the put audience. a halo on her. God, they did put it. Well, technically they did because yeah. that's how. I guess they're works. trying to show that look, she's going to the light, not in a dead sense, but more in a non-possession. Not subtle. I I thought that was so over the top. Like yeah. the whole beach thing was stupid to me to begin with. Yeah. yeah, and now that's what stops the demon mm. remembering that you you actually love your family. Right. And then she pukes, and then she, and then she pukes it out. I I yeah. think that the beach specifically was unnecessary. She mm. could have just seen any picture and had a thing of, I love my family, I care about them, and they could have used that for yeah. the internal thing by specifically going, remember the beach, huh? <laughs> vacation yeah that whole that whole scene we set up a while ago the power of love <laughs> the only scene in the movie that's not monochromed to death that has bright blue in it <laughs> yeah pretty much anyway she pukes up the demon like you said and then she immediately looks at the daughter and the daughter's like i understand <laughs> it wasn't you it wasn't your clear mental illness it was the demons it's okay mommy i think a lot of possession right. movies shy away from the obvious problem of mental illness yeah no your mom didn't want to murder you it was the demons clearly it was the demons and the daughter's just like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh okay that makes sense yeah so like afterward they walk out of the house the 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 possessions over apparently even though they didn't have an exorcism they didn't need one he got this Mm -hmm. you you were able to beat her with the power of love so there's that. Yeah. Mind you, there's no follow-up on the parent family. As we know in real life, the hauntings didn't really stop. They just weren't as severe. Yeah. And they continued to live there for 10 years. And it's it remained haunted to this day. So obviously... Problem it, solved, right? It, no, not solved at all. In fact, I think it would be cool if they did another Conjuring movie that was a follow-up to the parents, because in real life, Ed and Lorraine went there multiple times. Yeah. Same well, house? Yeah. Like, over the course of a few years, they investigated the Perone household multiple times. Not, like, a day or two. So we don't know what happens. For all we know, Bathsheba came back immediately after the Warrens went home, because there was no actual exorcism performed. Yeah. but Yeah, I, it just, like, it, it leaves her body, but, like, Bathsheba's still there. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just because the mom loves her kid doesn't mean that the sister won't murder her family. But they yeah. start playing happy music and like, oh, everything's fixed. I'm like, is it though? Is it really? Happy a Hollywood ending. And then another cop car shows up and he's not like, what the fuck is going on? He's not there to arrest her or anything. <laughs> and the cop shows up with the rest of the daughters so that yeah. the whole family could have that moment. Rather than be like, you're under arrest for abandoning your daughters in a hotel room in the middle of the night by themselves. <laughs> and trying to kill your own daughter. And yeah, you, one of them was 17. You yeah. wanted a police officer. But it's the 70s. They don't even have seatbelts yet. Fair enough. <laughs> True. Yeah. They, they, they beat the demon via pep talk. I wrote that in my notes. Pep talk and the power of love. Pep talk and the power of love. 
You don't need no exorcist. No. Because afterwards, he steals Rory's music box mm. and puts it in his trophy room. Which I can't imagine he's happy about. He's like, dude, that was my only way of like seeing people. Yeah, it's not even haunted. Being seen. <laughs> he wasn't even the bad one. He wasn't. I mean, I guess Beth Chiba used the music box too. Because that's when shit started going down. Yeah. But right. at the this same time. This doesn't make sense. The helpful ghosts can't communicate anymore either. Yeah. So hmm. if, since Bathsheba was still on the ranch, <laughs> now the other ghosts can't help. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just lost their phone. And then the movie ends with Lorraine saying she's going to call the Vatican and let them know that the exorcism is no longer necessary. You guys suck. Yeah. But while we're at it, they have a case in Long Island they want us to check out. We're just Emmyville? They never do show it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. It's like you said, Mel. The average person won't know this. Mm-hmm. But the Ed and Lorraine Warren fan will point out that was clearly Amityville. an Amityville horror reference. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They let us down. <laughs> total letdown. They never show it. Well, you just the watch the Amityville itself. Them. In yeah. part two, they show that the Warrens weren't really involved and like it was all a big fuss over nothing. And like mm-hmm. you set up, it, it's like fucking. It's like watching a Marvel movie that sets up. Yeah, that's right. Next movie's having Spider Man. And then he's just not in it. Yeah. Well, that turned out to be a hoax. Oh, that, that stinks. That's what happened. You set up, for any horror fan that's familiar with the Warrens, you set up the Amityville Horror as your next sequel. And then it doesn't pay off. What happened to the sequel then? Or if you watch uh, Conjuring 2, they talk about how they went to the Amityville house. They receive a bunch of flack about people saying it's a hoax. And then they don't show anything else. That's it. That's it. Lang. I, I know we're kind of like going a bit out of order, but we didn't talk about the casting at all. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Ron Livingston is wasted. He doesn't do anything in this movie. I've seen that dude act. He's a good actor. Not at all in this movie. He's completely yeah. Yeah. flat. Really, really weak. Really yeah. weak. But to be fair, they don't give him anything to do. They don't involve he's he's not involved in any of the hauntings at all. He's just there to bear witness. And to he watch? barely witnesses anything. Yes. The most he talks is with his wife. Like, come on, snap he's out basi- of it. He's basically there to just be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, that's his whole role. <laughs> that's the one time he raises his voice. And yeah. Then- you, you know what they could have done? They could have made him the skeptic, and Brad being uh, Roger's friend. Like, oh, I'm gonna bring my friend because I don't trust you guys, so I'm bringing my cop friend just in case you know, things go bad. Yeah. If they made Roger the skeptic, it would have also played with the fact that he wanted him to stop the exorcism because it was hurting her. Yeah. I mean, it would have worked right. well, like well enough to have Roger be the skeptic the entire time because he doesn't see anything in the movie. Bill has some more com- you know, conflict between you know the uh, the father and and Ed. Yes. Okay. Going to Ed and Lorraine, I feel like Patrick Wilson is perfect for Ed because I don't believe him. And the whole point of the Warren story is there are people that won't believe them. And the idea is he they win you over with how much they want to help. So yeah. Patrick Wilson naturally feeling untrustworthy kind of plays well into that. Even though I didn't I didn't buy him at all as competent, I believed that character. Yeah. Right. And then of course the actress playing Lorraine is pretty good as anything she's a pretty good actress especially yeah, with like good at possessions two, two good choices for the warrants yeah and okay going into carolyn 
I felt like it was cheating using uh what's the actress's name? Lily, Lily Taylor. Yeah. I feel like it, it was in the che- haunting, right? I know. I felt like they were like, crap, we need somebody who could play haunted. Screw it. Let's get Lily Taylor. It's easy. She can definitely do it. We don't even need to audition her. She's got this. Yeah, it works. Mm, yeah. But the best casting were the kids. Besides the youngest, who seemed a bit too tall, and her lines were kind of rushed. <laughs> yeah, um, you you were right, Christine. She had, like, the best scenes. That was the best scene of the, yeah. the best acting of the entire movie. Definitely. Yeah. Like, I bought it, and she's not even, like reacting we to don't even s- see anything you don't you don't see anything she's just staring into a shadow describing it and it's amazing yeah very creepy and all of the kids feel genuine and i think that's the thing with these haunted house movies is it's kind of hard when the actors don't seem like they believe unless they're supposed to be a skeptic these girls nailed it they all looked terrified in all of their scenes it was great besides april who felt flat yeah okay so do you guys want to go ahead and start rating the conjuring who wants to go first um i'll go first all right what do you rate this film Mel? great so i give this film a 4.75 i i mean i'm not gonna lie dude i I fucking love this movie the 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 point the 0.25 is because there are certain aspects where i feel like i got a little annoyed with how like um they were making such like saviors and saints out of the warrens i just felt like it was really too on the nose it's over the top yeah it's yeah. real hard and then it dude it comes even harder in the sequel which i still love but i was like man they're really trying to make me heroes but that's my only yeah. complaint everything else like the first time i sat down to watch this movie to take notes i forgot to take notes it's just a really compelling watch yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. Yeah, there, there, so so many things are done right by this movie. I already talked about the few issues, like the, the issues that I had with it, with the Warrens being almost like too saintly. Yeah. But for, for the most part, everything works. My eyes. It's just, it's a fun, entertaining watch if you don't pay too much attention. Okay. Yeah. Tonio? Um, I give it a three out of five. One thing, um, in the trailers, where they show Annabelle, and they show the family the way I figure is, oh, they're going to do the whole Annabelle story, but except it won't be a roommates. It will be a whole family dealing with Annabelle's antics and stuff. That's why, how I saw in the trailers. And when I'm watching the movie, there's, oh, that was misleading. She's not even in the movie, really. Oh, I see. So you went in with the expectations it was going to be about a haunted doll. Yeah. And at the time I knew about the Annabelle story. I was like, oh, that's going to be awesome. It looks cool and everything. But it, that didn't happen. Mm. But the rest of the movies, besides Annabelle, the Warrens, the scares here and there, was was entertaining. It wasn't boring. Uh, some some scenes were kind of cliche. You see them coming, but other scenes there were like some cool actual scares. I did oh. enjoy the scares, but overall, yeah, I did enjoy the movie. Not great, but not boring. Enjoyable. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go next. I am not copying you, Antonio, but I do want to say I kind of want to give it three stars out of five just because everything's in threes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> three. Nice. Uh, but honestly, I think I would give it a four just because it is a very well done story, but it's also very 
generically put together, like the formula of it, if you break it down, it's like, I guess, every other horror movie, the beats and how they go, and there is a lot of other issues with it, but overall, it is a compelling story, and it is interesting, and I do like some of the effects, which are always bonus parts of horror movies, yes. and I guess most people, if you mention a conjuring, they're going to be scared of it. So that does leave a good impression. Yeah. What do you think of it, Lex? Um, I want to say, I think I give this movie probably 4.9. It's pretty high up there because I, okay, pretty high. I had one a point away. <laughs> I, yeah. maybe a five. I don't think a full five, definitely not a full five, but this is a good movie. This is yes, a really is. good movie. It is. And all the problems they have with it as far as cliched writing and all this other nonsense. Yeah. The Warrens are a bit over the top. Again, Ed seems like a jerk. Um, Lorraine's a saint. Lorraine's which, a saint. Witch issues. A lot of witch issues. Like, yeah. there's a bunch of problems with this movie. But again, when I saw this movie for the first time, it's, it was with some with a normie. <laughs> This movie was scary as hell to them. And granted, trying to be very subjective here, I've seen hell of scary movies. I've seen so many scary movies that I could call every single segment in this movie. Like, okay, there's a red rubber ball bouncing, like in the changeling. There's the whole, like, looking into the mirror, seeing ghosts after the paranormal investigators show up. There's even a scene where Lorraine pretty much goes, this house is clear. It's literally the plot to Amityville Horror, which I know this is also based on a true story, mm. but it's not based on the Amityville Horror, meaning they took segments from that Ed and Lorraine movie, or that Ed and Lorraine story, and put it on the Perone family. So it is a remake of Amityville. I don't care what you say, but this is how you do... <laughs> A remake, right? It is a better yeah. Amityville. This is a better Amityville, and Amityville <laughs> Horror has a good premise, and a lot of people enjoy the original Amityville. But I feel like The Conjuring is how you remake that properly because it's a good remix. It's yes, a it great is. remix, great remix. And again, you can't like a Tarantino movie without going, "Hey, he stole it from this. He stole it from that." That's what James Wan does best. He takes all the shit he loved as a kid and remixes them in a way that sells to modern audiences. I really liked this movie. And again, so many problems in this movie. Hella cheesy. But man, I would recommend it to anybody, not just horror fans. Because this is a good introductory horror movie. Another good point about the uh, movie is... It's one of the rare instances where they use a horror movie or horror franchise for a cinematic universe. That's true. I mean, obviously, they were trying to lead into other movies. That was completely obvious by all mm -hmm. of the random drops. Because, yeah. mind you, this was mid-Marvel Cinematic Universe becoming a big thing. And the Saw franchise pretty much about to die. They probably went to James Wan <laughs> like, hey... We need something to compete with them. What you got? And he yeah. delivered. He really delivered. I feel like this movie is what happens when you give someone like James Wan a budget. 
fans of the well, series. Well, actually, he didn't have that high of a budget. He had higher than Insidious and Saw. Saw, he had the smallest budget ever, and he made Saw. How did this gross in theaters? This was the highest grossing horror movie of all time, and it held that record until it came out a few years ago. And it's pretty, pretty impressive. Good. And this is pretty damn good. I mean, I know that the Rotten Tomatoes is high up there, but like... I mean, I could understand horror fans not liking this movie because it's cliched and it steals a bunch of stuff, but it's still done well. It works. It's not for us. It's for the common audience. Exactly. The majority of the people seeing this movie aren't going to get the Amityville horror references. They're not going to get the poltergeist ripoffs. They're going to get a good haunted house movie. Yes. Yeah, and I guess that's all that really matters when making a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question for you guys. Would you wear would you visit the Warren's Museum if you could? The Warren's Museum? Uh oh, by the way, I looked it up and it's permanently closed down. Because of COVID? I mean, yeah. I guess I would go. I would not take pictures of shit. No, because, no, no. Like I'm not I'm not I'm skeptical, but also I'm not trying to push the boundaries. Not playing with fire. May not be real. Anna Annabelle Annabelle is is there? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I probably Real Annabelle. I don't think not I would go. Raggedy Annabelle. You would not? It's like I said before. I don't know if there are ghosts, but I don't want to find out that I'm wrong in a fucking haunted house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. What better way to find out? Definitely don't You know how I won't find out? I won't go in there. <laughs> how? I don't want to know. Don't be scared of what you don't know. I'm not scared because I don't know. Therefore, I don't need to. Oh my gosh. Hey, fine. According to Ed and Lorraine Warren, the only reason you get possessed is because you give the spirit energy by believing it. So if I. Like Santa Claus. Exactly. So if (laughs) I don't believe in it. Santa a ghost? No, he's like a demon, I thought. He's a spirit. Oh. Uh, let's not I get into Santa connections. again. Okay. <laughs> Have you noticed that we mentioned Santa Claus in every episode? He's everywhere. Uh, okay. Let's wrap this up, guys. Okay. This has been the true story of Annabelle and the Conjuring. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and email us at kindatruepodcasts at gmail.com. Oh, we have a Twitter now. Oh, you do? And awesome. we, got a twat- we got a twatter. Yeah. Well, I'm not on Twitter, but I can visit your Twitter. Was True Pod at Twitter? I've been trying to twat. A- twat? I've been <laughs> trying to <laughs> tweet, 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 tweet. I've been trying twat, to twat. tweet out the cover art for our individual episodes. Have you seen any of our cover art? Yeah, they're cool. I, I've even seen them. Cool, 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 cool. You don't actually listen to our show, do you, Mel? Of course what? not. I'm so sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> <Is it sweet? laughs>